Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. I'm Julio. And I'm Alex. And welcome to a lovely episode of Film Busters where we have the contrarians here. We are so excited. It's so oh, great. Shit. This is exciting. Left Film Busters, little lovely. Oh, lovely, lovely. How are you both? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little intimidated, not by you guys, just by the by the film we're going to try to tackle. Today. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean you're not intimidated by us? What, does it, what does that mean? Where are you going with that? At this point, I've listened to so many episodes of your show. I've talked to you guys online so often. It's just, it's just family. I'm not, I'm not oh, concerned. Man. You, you won that back. Well done. My DMs on Twitter are reserved for uh, close friends and confidants, and you know, I've communicated with a few of y'all on there. So I, I consider you friends at this point. But uh, in addition to that, I was going to say things are very good because the high today is 92 in Austin, Texas, and that's the lowest it's been in quite some time. So what's that in like real people temperature? Yes, <laughs> uh, that's my question too. Yeah, real like, people. A normal, it a normal system that people use. All already xenophobic on here just assuming everyone uses the same temperature measurements i think it's only america that does it, isn't it i think yeah i think you might be right we're number one remember that's the expression uh usa usa (laughs) no but uh it looks nice outside i am also intimidated to try to make any sense of this movie we're going to tackle here today Uh, oh yes but we've got some ava mendez and kylie minogue action so i think it's going to be a good time hell yeah just to let everyone know, we are tackling Holy Motors, the 2012 French film. We've uh, Most of us haven't seen it. It's a Julio recommendation, apparently. I'm pretty excited to see what everyone thinks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to hear what people fucking think of this one. There could have been any number of films that we did for this collaboration. <laughs> hey, we sent you three options. We sent them Holy Motors, Blue is the Warmest Color, and what was the third one? Uh, the one with uh, Rust and something, wasn't it? Rust and Rust, Bone. Rust and oh, Bone. Rust and Bone. Rust and Bone. Yes, Rust. with uh, Marion Cotillard, which is also a really good movie. Uh, but having seen that, and obviously Blue is the Warmest Color being like uh, one of my all-time favorites, I'm really glad we did this one, having not seen it, but having heard so much about it. And um, coming away, like my skull, it, like I scratched it down to the, the skull because <laughs> I was just <laughs> scratching my head the entire time. So... Poured some antiseptic on it and hopped on the line to talk to you all about it. Well, we wanted to we wanted to be artsy for for you guys. Yes, I'm up for yeah, that. Well, you need to class this joint up a bit. Like the the film buses is the chav version of the contrarians, isn't it? It's, it's the it's the working class version. These guys, the blue collar guys with the office jobs, we're the fucking workmen in the garage when it comes to this podcast. See, so just because you throw a little French our way, I I look at it differently. I think you guys are the art house. And we are just the Cineplex. Oh, That's why I thought that we needed to, to class it up. No. <laughs> we are anything but that. I know. Oh, <laughs> Might just be the accents. I think the accents throw me off. The accents do a lot in our favour, it's true. Alex, you say you heard a lot about this film. Is that from Julio or you've you've heard generally more about Holy Mose? Because I had never heard of this before. So um, I remember specifically because it won... Uh, Julio and I live in Austin, um, and it won our Critics' Choice Awards that year for the best foreign film. And so I remember that sticking out. Um, friend and guest of our podcast several times, Mr. Eddie Strait, I remember him just being over the 
freaking moon about this movie. So from that vantage point, I heard that too. And I just remember there was a, a good level of hype going in. Uh, it made me surprised when I read it. It didn't make shit at the box office. So that was surprising. But the main thing I remember was the pu- publicity still from it of um, the lead actor when he's playing the the, the the freak like and he's got the you know the whited out eye there was that publicity still of Ava Mendez lighting his cigarette and I looked at it and I was like the first thing I thought was like of those whiskey commercials uh, or cologne commercials that Tommy Lee Jones did in Japan like I thought Ava <laughs> Mendez just needed work and made some really weird French movie and so I had always meant to see it uh, but just never got around to it uh, until there was a reason and oh boy <laughs> And this was that reason. What I believe reason? his name is Monsieur Mert, as in Mr. Shit. <laughs> Mert. Yes. Mert. It, it looks like you, pr- you pronounced that shit, Ben, really. Yeah, I had, I had to try and get my mouth around it. <laughs> and apparently not that character's first outing in cinema, but we could talk about that later, right? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I know. So, well, before... So, basically... The next thing normally, in normal times, we would do is go to the quiz. But before we go to the quiz, maybe this would be the right time to segue into the Contrarian's promo. Hell yes. Let's see, Alex. Uh, What do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. That, that was a really nice promo. That was such a good promo that we just heard from those two. I think it explained perfectly what they do. It so, did. If you don't get it from there, you have no hope of understanding Holy Motors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all very true. And uh, you guys recently, before we go on and talk to the specifics, you guys recently are uh, coming off the back of your summer of Winona. How was that for you guys? How was that, Alex? (laughs) I knew Uh, what I was getting into. Yeah, that was Julio's brainchild. That's pretty much what uh, the ebb and flow of our podcast is, is Julio will think of like an arc to do, and then I'll think of one, and we kind of just piece those together, and then we'll sometimes have just obviously random one-offs. But when he proposed it, he was so like passionate about it. I was like, sure. And I've always like, uh, Winona Ryder is definitely an actress that I, uh, I I I like and or I reflect on thinking of my childhood because you know Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, all these movies when I was a little kid that came out. So I was interested to revisit it, and some things held up, some things were better than I remembered, some things were really bad, and uh, some things just smacked me in the face out of nowhere, and I was like, "Holy shit! How is the dilemma starring Kevin James and Vince Vaughn this good of a movie?" <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the generally positive reaction you had to most of the movies that I had to most of the movies. I mean, I didn't really care much for the dilemma when it first came out, and I don't know if it was just that I'm older now or 
the quarantine, maybe just more, or maybe we just like Kevin James more now after becoming <laughs> big fans of him on the on Here Comes the Boom. I don't know, but it was, you know, overall there's. If, if you listen to the Winonis, our, our wrap up of the summer, you can tell like the only movie that I truly didn't like was Lost Souls. So that's that's a great like good to bad ratio uh, for for yeah. any of our <laughs> like any stretch of four months in the Contrarians. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Did not like Mr. Deeds. That was that was my bottom of the barrel. But that's, but she's I just blonde can't... and hot. So it's she still... is hot in that movie. Yeah, so I heard you say speak about the fact that the blondness, even though that's not normally your type, is what actually attracted you to her in that one. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Just uh, I mean, like we said, it's a little bit of a novelty, and also that she, she, it just looks really good. Uh, it's just, I mean, come on. Even if the movie, it's it's not a good Adam Sandler movie, but I've, I've also I've seen worse Adam Sandler movies. I've seen Grown Ups. That's fair. Jack yeah. and Jill. Yeah. It's on a that's the the scale the the ceiling there is not the highest when you talk about that but uh, yeah no, and also um, we covered um, the Crucible which was my first time seeing that so now whenever anyone I want to see that off the back of your my episode. motives for doing something I can just yell because it's my name <laughs> oh it's so good <laughs> I did I did hear um, some of your episodes saying that you you love that film that was your your third pick of your best film you reviewed wasn't it. Julio, I know I had it. I, 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 we, it kept coming up when we were doing the awards because we both gave Daniel Day Lewis best supporting, and then uh, I gave Daniel Day Lewis. I, I gave him a shout out for uh, either sex. No, it wasn't the sexiest, but you know, one of the hottest uh, love interests. And then yeah, I might have had it as my third, uh, either I or Alex, just because of the conversation it sparked afterwards. Yeah, yeah. The first shot of Daniel Day Lewis in that movie is like a fucking old spice ad from 1994. Like it's him. <laughs> With um, like a sickle, and he's chopping uh, wheat in the field, and the wind is hitting, and his hair is blowing. Like I could smell Old Spice coming out of a spray can just seeing that. Hey, that's got me wet just hearing that description. <laughs> so yeah, so for for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to the Contrarians, do it. Go through the summer of Winona. Once you've done the summer of Winona, go through the summer of Travolta. Because that was when I, I think I first started listening to you guys. It was around about that sort of time as well. That was a blast. Um, and uh, also listen to the episode on Stranger Things. Because there is nothing better than hearing someone who's watched all of the episodes converse with someone who's only watched the first episode <laughs> of each season. Trying to make sense of it. <laughs> and say, well, she's an alien. She's an alien. Oh, great. I was like, when's he going to tell him? When's he going to tell him? <laughs> we, we might have lost a few listeners there. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think we lost any listeners. I think that we gained a bunch of listeners for that one episode and they ran for the hills. Because not only did we, I guess, you could say we didn't, it's not just that we didn't like Stranger Things as much as the average person does, but it just, uh, it led us into just exploring or talking about how we don't like the genre in general like just the whole 80s nostalgia mm. thing it became uh i did not expect the the episode to be that negative i know that it's a, a bummer but i think that if you're a stranger things fan and you come in thinking that we're gonna be it's gonna be the usual podcast about stranger things where everybody just talks about how awesome it is then yeah. it, it might have uh you might have walked away a little uh, uh i don't know not offended but definitely disappointed so that's why we kept doing the disclaimers throughout the episode <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I feel like we at least warranted our opinions enough. We didn't just like say sucks and then move on to it. I think we explained why 
we don't particularly care for it. But yeah, I went we into made the it, case again, that we're old men. <laughs> having only watched those three episodes, I went into it and I'm like, man, this isn't good. But I was really worried Julio was just going to be really excited about how much he loves the show. <laughs> and so when he started like turning towards the the negative, I was like, you know, the floodgates open. I'm like, here we go. We're, we're off to the races. <laughs> it was a great, great listen. So shall we switch tact? And yes. go to the quiz. Listeners, by the way, let me let me uh, say something here because everyone who's listening to this is not aware of the fact that this is the first time that, not just with the contrarians right now, but that the film buses are all looking at each other face to face because we don't normally do this on webcam. It's a very disconcerting thing because when I like to talk, when I, I start thinking, I look away and, I, and, and, and I've got to keep bringing my eyes fucking away to the screen. I know. And it's very disconcerting <laughs> to have all eyes on me when I'm talking. So I, I need to block out the intimidation that is in your eyes when I'm, I'm coming with some of my hot takes later, you see. I'm just lying down in bed. Yeah. Adam looks no, like he's on, he's on chat roulette or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a thumbs up from him. <laughs> right. So this is everyone who has listened beforehand will know the drill, but if we have garnered any of Contrarian's audience, and this is your first time listening to Film Buses, this is the little limbo point where, before we get in deep to the movie, we start to drift off track, we shoot the shit for a little bit, and then we bring things back before we go off the deep end with the quiz. So, for those listeners who have been following us for a while, you will be aware that in the quiz stakes at the moment, things are quite tight. Well, they couldn't be tighter between me and Paul. Because we are, are on 19 points each. Are we? Well, that, well now, we should have done I the thought we are on 17. Now, yes, 17. <laughs> so, loyal listeners will know 17 apiece, and Adam is flagging in last place, well, the only other place, with 13. So, what we're going to do here is because we have guests, Julio and Alex are going to be the surrogate contestants for this week's quiz where all the questions relate ultimately to Holy Motors. Now, last time that we had guests on, I think the person who had the most points at the time got to pick who would be their champion. Yes. But I think we're going to invert that and make it a little fairer, because Adam is flagging so far behind right now. That well, Adam... you've got to be nice to the guests. You were mean to Katie when it was on before. <laughs> I'm a hard taskmaster, boys. That's all I'll say. You either get the answer on the paper or you, you go home. It's true. That's it. Adam... Yeah. Are you listening? I'm listening you, to you, Ben. You need to pick your champion. I, I, okay. Um, I'm going to pick Alex because A&A, isn't it? Let's do it. <laughs> A&A. Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. A&A. Question number one is going to be how you pronounce the director's name. <laughs> yeah. Normally, we do two questions here. We just do two questions a week. But to make it a little bit interesting, I'm doing four this time round because Ooh. I want to give Adam a chance to get back up level. Well, but but that puts a lot right. of pressure on Alex. And then it's all completely done for the year. What do you mean? <laughs> well, Adam, that's the chance you've got to take, you know? We're going to go with the, the dullest of the four questions. I tried to make them interesting, but one's a little bit dull. But the other three are very interesting. Just get it right, Alex. I don't care if it's a dull question. Pressure's so the on. way that it works, Alex and Julio... When the answer comes to mind, the first to shout it out gets the point, right? That's the way it goes. I don't like this. So, we're going to start with the dullest. What is the name of the song or the artist that the accordion players cover during the interval? Uh, 
I don't have anything other than uh, this is the name of the I don't know Interact. That's just the name of the sequence. <laughs> That's the name of the sequence. It's not the name of the song. It's good, I was hoping it would one. be the name of the song. <laughs> it wasn't sad. Entract featuring Entract. Alex, I have no idea here, so just say anything. I wouldn't be annoyed at you if you get this one wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I don't know. Eminem, lose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that by dullest he didn't mean easiest, because then we're in trouble. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean easiest. I meant Dallas. It's because I thought it was going to be a more popular song, but it's not. It's a song called Let My Baby Ride by R.L. Burnside. I suggest you all check it out on YouTube afterwards. It's this Motown singer from like the 60s with his electric guitar, and the electric guitar sound is fucking incredible. It's really, really good. Check it out afterwards. So no points for anyone there, which means a point for me. I forgot to explain that. When the boys don't score points, I get the point. So I'm up top. So I'm at, eight, I'm at 18, and Paul's at 17, and Adam's at 13, and now we're going to have one where you both get a chance to answer, because it doesn't matter what the other one says, because it's a true or false question. You ready? 50-50. Right. I like the odds. Monsieur Merz. <laughs> <laughs> Penis. Prosthetic or actual appendage? Uh... I am going to say prosthetic. I'm going to say that was some real wiener meat. I, I would have gone with that as well, Alex. So I'm happy with your choice there. It's French, I would, isn't it? That's I would have a... gone. I would have gone with real as well. It was a prosthetic. Ah, yes. It was well a prosthetic. Done, Julio. Well, I'm going to have to knock a rating off the film now because that's <laughs> let it down. I know. That would make sense also because. Um, there's that really weird thing that the MPAA has about if it's a real penis, then like that is almost immediate grounds to bump you up to NC-17. But if it's a prosthetic, it's R, which makes no sense at all. But that's kind of how they do it. And then the quick sidebar on that was I watched this movie on Tubi, the streaming streaming service, and everything in the movie was as is, but they blurred out his genitals during that scene. Oh, wow. Oh, really? And yeah, oh, that's but, unfair. But, you can't ask him to do that because you didn't get to see it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get to judge. Uh, you got he to take the points away now. Anything. Just based on the tone of the movie, I thought he really whipped it out. But uh, <laughs> but th- where we were in the movie, it was so weird so far that I thought that was part of it. And he just had like you know the Ken doll going on. <laughs> that would work. I can imagine that working. In the, that film. the Ken doll look would have worked. So apparently, the director said he designed it to make it look dog-like. But I don't know. I don't have a dog. But that doesn't look like a dog <laughs> penis to me. Yeah, he wanted this oh to look like a dog cock. But we're on to the next one. Right, here we go. You ready? The first person mm. to shout it out gets the points. Just to clarify, Paul and I are level again now on 18 mm. points each. Adam, you're on 13. Kylie Minogue sings in this film, but in which film is Laura Dern subject to a nightmarish version of Kylie Minogue's locomotion? Mm. On. Hang on, what's it called? What's it called? Uh, I'm sending it. I'm sending it. Hang on, hang on. Paul's got it. <laughs> the Last Jedi. I'm going to fuck you up. Okay, so now that Alex has, has wasted a shot, I can like talk it out, see if I can remember. Uh, and I might be wrong anyway, but I think it's the one. Wild at Heart. Is it Wild at Heart? Oh, boys, both of you were on the either side of it. It is a David Lynch film. You went Mulholland Drive, Alex. You half said Mulholland. It's not Wild yeah. at Heart. Paul, what is it? 
Inland Empire. That's the one. Yes. Uh, haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Oh, sorry. Well, it's see, horrible it, film. It, Absolutely biased. horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's not horrible. It's it's not horrible. It's tricky. It's Last, a tricky you said it was horrible it. watch. Even it was, though you it was enjoyed it. It was a watch, but I fucking loved it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Laura, don't. They, they, all the prostitutes sing uh, the locomotion in, in a really nightmarish scene. The so. It's the last thing you expect to pop up in a David Lynch film. It sounds Thanks like for a that. Lynch I'll take that point. Sequence. Is there anything you don't expect to pop up in a David Lynch film? No. Me. If I pop up in it, I have truly died and gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I said then for this final question was whoever had got the most questions right gets the first stab at this. And I've got to think about how I actually work this. Basically, so Alex, it's uh, Julio, it's you. You're going to get the first stab at this question, right? And then I'll move over to Alex afterwards, and he can either agree or disagree. So basically, you have to get six things correct here, and I'm looking for all six or nothing, okay? Julio, here we go. All right. Name all six items that Monsieur Merit puts in his mouth whether he eats it bites it sucks it or licks it well shit okay so flowers yeah hair uh yes cigarettes yeah all right pretty confident with those three yeah um oh uh that the the pa's finger that yes. he bites off that's four yeah. Uh, two to go. It's just two. Just two to go. So I'll repeat all of the items Monsieur Med puts in his mouth, whether he eats them, bites them, sucks them, or licks them. What does he. Oh, he, he eats money from uh, Eva Mendes' purse. Indeed, he does. So and there's five. one last thing. <laughs> Alex one is looking more. at me like. <laughs> one more. I just need to know, Alex, do you know the one I'm missing? Yeah. You do? <laughs> yeah I'm fucking uh, Come on, give it in. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh I know, I know. Uh, he uh, when he rips off Eva Mendes' dress with his mouth to to give her the makeover. So it would be Eva, Eva Mendes' dress. Well, well, that's interesting because that's not the answer I've got and I don't think he does use his mouth to rip it open. If he does, I stand corrected. He 100% does. I, I know that for a fact. Well, then there's a seventh. Well, then you've got six. You've got to get the seventh, Julio. <laughs> oh, shit. I what didn't realise that. What is this? The American elections changing the rules on me halfway through? <laughs> that's it. There's a seventh more obvious one. Okay. No, I tell you what. I tell you what, Julio. Because you answered six... Paul gets a point for that. You get a point for that. That's the only fair thing. But what I'm going to do now is pass to Alex. And if he is correct with what he, he also says, gets Adam, you're going to get a point. Thank Alex, he, what does he put in his mouth? He licks Ava Mendes' armpit. Yeah. That's oh, what I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah, he does. It's the armpit lick. The bloody armpit lick. I've got a point at least. You've got there one you go. point. That's very kind. A very kind host. But I came two points away I'm worse than when I started off. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you, boys, for playing proxy there. Just to wrap up, what we've got is 19 for me, 19 for you, Paul. And 14. Adam. 14. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Okay, I think it's about time that we segue into the main event. I'm very excited to just pick this film apart. Let's roll that theme tune. 
The main event. Here is our feature topic. Plus, Adam might do a rubbish plot summary. Fucking serious. Right, guys. Today we are talking about Holy Motors, the 2012 French surreal film. I'm very excited to talk about it. But first of all, Adam, would you like to do a very, very, very good plot summary? We hope. Yes. Um, it's probably going to be a rubbish plot summary this time around because um, what can I really say about this one? But this film is about a man in a limousine <laughs> in Paris. And every time he enters the limousine, he gets changed. And every time he comes out of it, <laughs> he's a he new gets different... changed. He's a new character and he does a new expedition for like an hour. And he'll get back into the limousine <laughs> and drive around. Um, but yeah, he changes into many different things. Old women, young men, a hitman, an accordionist. But yeah, it's very weird. And yes, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we are. It was very accurate. Very accurate description. It was. It was. Technically, all that, everything he said happens in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Imagine this guy trying to plot this to the studio. The guy who wrote the script. Must have gone, okay, how are we going to plot this? How can I say this to the studio without saying ridiculously stupid? <laughs> There's an insight well, into his thoughts on it. I think then he mentioned, well, the budget's only $4 million, and they're like, all right, this is so weird. It's at least worth the risk just to show, yeah. throw this money at him. They did it just for this podcast. They thought, oh, eight years' time, guys will get together from all over the world to record a podcast on it. That's it. They did it so it. they have... They did it specifically so they have an artsy clip of Ava Mendez to show in the In Memoriam section when she passes at the Oscars. Yeah. Just getting her armpit licked. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Either that or in a makeshift burka. One of the two. One of the two. Yes. <laughs> right, so seeing as it's your pick, guys, you get to choose what order you want to do our first impressions in. Whether you guys want to go first or what or you want us three to go. Or you can even sandwich yourselves in between us. Whatever you want to do. Uh, I, I know I, I, if possible, I'd like to go last. But Ooh. Alex, what, what do you think about the rest of the order? We could just do a contrarian sandwich. I start and you're the end and then we just shove all this man meat in between wow. us here at the film busters. <laughs> this this wow. British sausage? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, if uh, if I kick this off, we can just go in the order I see you all in. So, Adam, Ben, Paul, follow okay. me up here. Cool. Um, so, I, I tried so hard to like hold with it and not just go to, this is just weird for the sake of being weird. But it <laughs> it came, it was pretty hard, especially um, you know if we're breaking them down by the characters. Uh, I have in front of me here, it went the beggar, motion capture actor, Monsieur... Mude, uh, father, accordionist, the killer, the killed, the dying, the man in the foyer. Um, by the time it got to the dying segment where he's playing someone's uncle that's passing away, uh-huh. and then he just gets up and walks out, it's just like, all right. And then, of course, the way it ends, like, uh, I assume we're tacking on a spoiler warning at this, but the way his, like, yeah. his final uh, performance or whatever he calls them, assignment. He just shows up and he's like married to a monkey and they have a little monkey baby. And <laughs> at that point, I just and and then you know I thought that's when you know someday by Sugar Ray was going to start playing and they rolled the credits, but uh, <laughs> it it kept going until the point where we find out why it's called Holy Motors and then the limousines are really living and they communicate with one another and um, obviously that's a really truncated version of it all. I thought visually it was very impressive. 
and obviously the director, and again, we're just calling him Leos because I'm not going to butcher his last name, uh, has a clear vision for it, uh, for what he wanted to make. And it also, I wasn't very surprised when I found out he came from a career of predominantly making short films. Because honestly, this just feels like a series of short films yeah. uh, sandwiched together with some sequiturs in there. Um, the musical interlude with the accordion and the way that shot was awesome. Because uh, it was that one continuous take of the the back strolling with like all these musicians joining in and whatnot. Um, overall, it's one of those movies that I'm glad I watched, but it's just so goddamn weird. And um, I I guess eventually I'll have to watch it again because you know I tried to keep my research limited on this in terms of like reading what people think this is analogous for because I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to all y'all about it first before I actually dove into it, but. There wasn't too much I could really get into and take away from it as far as like what it was trying to say. I, I just found it to be this fascinating series of short films put together. And uh, Dennis uh, Lavant, Levant, the lead in it, obviously, I can think it's weird, but his performance is fantastic because he plays like a litany of different characters that are all very different, be it visually or just their mannerisms and just doing some research on him. And he had that movie with Juliette Binoche in the 90s that was really big, but... Apparently he's known in French film uh, for very being very expressive with his face and body language and things like that. So um, I found it interesting. I you know for being egocentric about myself and Julio, I don't know of any way we could have done this for our podcast. So I'm <laughs> glad that y'all had us on and we can discuss it with y'all. Um, but those are just like my surface views and thoughts on it. Uh, I did read the, the Kylie Minogue character was originally. Um, offered to Juliette Binoche, which would have just mm-hmm. been so weird to see her <laughs> singing and then jumping <laughs> off a building. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, the whole time I was watching it, I was just already thinking like, man, I'm really curious what everyone else is going to think about this. So that's just kind of my word vomit on my surface level thoughts of the movie. Um, see, this is where it becomes difficult because it's obviously a very well-made film. And that's something that is um, just because I think it's really fucking weird doesn't mean that it necessarily lessens the the filmmakers behind it. Uh, I would refute if the if Leos if he if he called in right now to the Filmbusters podcast <laughs> and was to defend his movie, I would probably refute him telling me I didn't get it. I, I feel like I understood what the movie was. It just is still just really weird and out there. But like I said, the acting in it's great. Ava Mendez, like all jesting aside about her scene in the movie like she's not really known as a great actress uh quote unquote and she obviously has zero lines in this movie but i found that probably to be the most captivating sequence of the movie probably because it was so weird and it's like where the hell is this going next (laughs) and um so I want to give her specific props because she carries half of that scene just by her body language and facial expressions, lack thereof, that type of thing. So there are all these parts in it that are very good and very interesting, and I could definitely you know, get really into. That being said, when it was over, it was one of those that I just kind of <laughs> stared at the screen and was like, what? So I think because I want to give it above average but not into the excellent bracket. I think that would probably fall like as like a 7. I'll say it's a 7 out of 10. Okay. 7 out of 10. Decent. All right, let's get ready for the big dip. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. 
Um, I um, basically could agree with everything Alex has just said in that sentence. Everything he said, I pretty much agreed with across the board. It was weird. Um, I think I understood it, but I would love to watch the film again, knowing now what it is. Like, going straight into it, okay, now I know what you're going to get your head around. I think I'll probably enjoy it more that way. Uh, I think it might go up again in my explanations. But, yeah, I just... There were some really good moments with it, but there were some moments that lost me. Um, yes, it reminds me of a film that Ben told me about. I think it's something to do with coffee. Is it the Steve Buscemi film where um, it loads of people just oh. getting coffee throughout the film? And it's got Bill Murray with a um, Wu-Tang in it and all them people. Coffee and cigarettes. That's the mm. one. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that where some of the segments are really interesting and some of them, they kind of just lose you. And if you've got too many of them close together, yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it and it's weird and it's wonderful and I could see what they're doing. It wasn't bad across any part of it. I just didn't know if it was for me 100%. But yeah, I'd love to watch it again and actually now I know what the film's about. You might have a better understanding and a better... You're, you're already in the headspace going into it rather than kind of getting halfway through the film and then getting on board with it. Um, and I'm going to agree and give it a seven as well. Cool. That was more positive than I expected. <laughs> okay. I really didn't know how you were going to... I don't think you can hate on the film too much. I don't think you can go, this is a terrible film. I'd be very surprised if any of these guys... Can't you? It's a terrible film. Can't you? You ready? Okay. It's me next, I believe. No, that's, that's bullshit. I'm certainly not going to say that. I love film that when it gets to the end, there's this moment of frustration where you go, that can't be the end because you didn't fucking explain anything. Nothing that I saw just made sense. And what, what, what that means is I now have to go back and fucking engage with this thing and engage my brain and think and see it play out again and work out what does that mean? What does that line of dialogue actually mean? What, what is this character actually representing? I love that shit. In the immediate moments when the films end, I don't. But time helps with that. So I watched Holy Motors last weekend or maybe a day or so before that. And when the credits rolled... I fucking loved it already and didn't understand a fucking thing. And a week later, not necessarily with any le greater level of understanding now, because I've had to put so much of my own spin and interpretation on, on this, but I have done some reading on it as well and worked out that there's some stuff behind the scenes, which if you're not privy to that shit, which you wouldn't be unless you specifically knew it, there's no way you could interpret it within the film. So... For me, the film walks a, like a tightrope between putting your interpretation on it, as I love to do with any David Lynch film. It felt it felt like like a David Lynch film, but absolutely nothing like a David Lynch film at the same time. It had all the ingredients of a Lynch film where it's like, we're going to show you a little something that means something else. We're going to show you dream fucking logic. There's no reality in this. This is dream logic all the way through. And what it really is, is fucking cinema logic. It's like... Not a love letter to cinema, but like a hate letter to cinema. And you are fucking in it all the way through. And because you love cinema, you're going to love some of it. You're going to hate some of it. But ultimately, you're going to be unsatisfied because none of it makes sense in the way that we consume cinema today. Which is why so many people are turned off people like, like David Lynch. Because if you don't give me clarity from beginning to end, or not even necessarily clarity, but some sort of rational logic from beginning to end then i'm then i'm not for this that makes no sense that's rubbish that kind of shit i relish and i'm aware of when people are doing it pretentiously for some bullshit reason 
when they're an imitator or when they're doing it because they've really got something to say. And from what we'll get into, hopefully, in this podcast, this guy really had some shit to say and he really had a fucking backstory that went into this film. And for that reason, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Whoa! Ooh. One of that. the one of the best films of the year that I've seen. Wow! Ooh. Wow! 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 Can only go down from there, Paul. <laughs> I hadn't even heard of this film, let alone seen it. So I was incredibly excited to watch it, especially seeing as I sneakily saw that Julio had given it like a pretty special rating to start off with. So I sat down with an open mind and. To be greeted by a man opening a door with his key-shaped finger <laughs> and an odd, oversized-looking baby running through a cinema with a dog. I forgot about all those parts. So, <laughs> so for exposition, me and Surreal have like a very sketchy relationship. So if it's like utilised, it needs to keep me on its side and not become like too pretentious or anything because I can swiftly begin to hate whatever I'm watching. But not with this. I had a great time with Holy Motors. <laughs> it was boy. also like so oddly captivating and like strangely hypnotic and like incre- incredibly well acted. All, all like the characters the leads embodied were all very unique and sometimes like even creepy. And his his range was fantastic. And yes, it was phenomenally surreal. And even when I I thought I'd grasped some kind of inkling of a, a concept. It has dropped another oddball bomb on me. So so I basically have no idea what the hell is going on at, for most of the time. But it really won me over regardless. And I want to understand it. And I'm really excited to delve into trying to make some sense of it all. And it's an 8 out of 10. It's nice. Well, I'm, I, I wanted to close this for one. I'm the only one that has... that had watched it beforehand. But at least I know now that Ben has watched it twice. So we're on the same level. Uh Kind of like Alex, I avoided doing any research. Uh, I definitely didn't know anything the first time I watched it when it first came out. And uh, and I only know a little bit more because it was kind of inescapable after watching it the first time. Kind of like looking to see how other people were reacting. But uh, I remember I, I actually saw it in movie theater, which was great. Uh, so with the aforementioned Eddie Strait and a couple other friends. And after the movie was over, it was the last show of the day. And we just walked out of the theater and we just stayed out there in the parking lot talking about the movie for like at least an hour. Uh, so I already have you that good memory, uh, you know, of uh, just having a good time at the movie and then having a good time after the movie, just trying to figure it out. Uh, but it's not the usual thing. I, I, I generally have, I think I'm a little bit like Paul. I have trouble with uh, surrealism. I need something I can grab onto so I can go onto into the journey. I can get frustrated uh Pretty easily. A while ago, I I watched a whole bunch of uh, Luis Buñuel movies, and it was just frustration after frustration. Um, so it, in this case, I think it might be the the fact that it's just so related to cinema, and obviously mm. that's something that I have an interest in to begin with. I, I'm very familiar with, and also just even the big question is what's the big picture? But the shorts in themselves make sense. You know, it's just like, how are they working together? It's like the big mystery. Like, but taken as little pieces, I think that those those are very easy to follow uh, for the most part. So that, I think, helps me uh, also get through the movie. Uh, 
watching it a second time now, I mean, it was almost like watching it again. I remember all the big beats, but not uh, not the details. And I can tell you, it's not like it gave me a whole new uh, point of view. Maybe if I watch it again, like tomorrow, you know, when it's all fresh in my mind. I think the main difference is after watching it the first time, I remember reading about the uh, how the director has uh, is very much or used to be at least at the time against digital and the transition to digital from film to digital and that the movie was about that or at least wanted somewhat about that uh so when i watched it the second time i had that filter and i could see it i definitely did not see it the first you know i didn't see those elements the first time around uh i i think i enjoy this is just about the right level of surrealism for me where i can I can be trying to work it out as it's happening, but it doesn't stop me from enjoying the movie. Uh, I'm very eager to see, like, to hear what you guys think. I mean, what's your take? I really want to know, like, what do you guys think this movie is about? Because I have a pretty good idea uh, of what it means to me, how I interpret it. And that might not be at all what the director intended, but... I like it so much that it's almost like I don't want to know what the director intended because it might Mm -hmm. take away from my reading. And and that's a positive for the movie, I think. Uh, but anyway, the first time and this time, it's just been uh, mesmerizing. I was on the edge of my seat, just soaking it all in. Uh, and we'll discuss why. But to me, um, it, this is the reason I wanted to close. Because to me, it was and it is still a 10 out of 10. A 10 out of fucking 10, man. Beautiful. Yes. Don't hear that a lot of film busters, do we? <laughs> you don't get that a lot and, and certainly not for films like this so uh just looking into this real quick i was going to see if anyone could answer uh i have the 2013 uh for 2012 academy awards pulled up uh it was not nominated obviously for best foreign language film does anyone remember the austrian film that won the 2013 academy award for best foreign language film it is a beating of a viewing 2013 austrian. Austrian. So it was so it's a movie from 2012. Um, I can't even think of an Austrian film, let alone an Austrian I, I film always get very confused with Austrian and German releases sometimes, man. <laughs> like, part of me wants to say more, but I think that her neck was too early. So it was it was released for, out of Austria, but it was a French film directed by Michael Haneke, if that helps at all. Oh, was, oh, was it The White Ribbon? Mm-mm. Funny, Funny games? games? No, it was Amour. Oh, oh mate, a more, yeah, yeah, a more, a more is a killer. A more is an absolute heartbreaker. Yep. I went and saw that at a movie theater on a Sunday afternoon and was mad at myself because it was Sunday, the day of rest, and I came out of the theater and was like, <laughs> I just want to lay in bed and eat junk food the rest of the day. I don't want to do anything now. Uh, did you oh, watch man. it, Alex? Did you watch it at the Arbor? Uh, the Arbor is this art house uh, up north, and uh, it's it's known for its. Uh, Mostly elderly clientele. So, did you watch it at the Because I did, and I was surrounded yeah. by senior citizens, and it was just... yeah. It made the viewing even more uncomfortable. Like watching these old oh. couples like look at each other, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> that is a tough. That is a tough fucking watch. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Uh, how do you compare the two uh, two movies? How do you compare a movie like Holy Motors with something like that? I don't. Think they are both completely and totally different, yeah. and that's why fucking baubles like award shows are, are so irrelevant when it comes to things like that because how do you put worth on something like obviously Amore is incredible 
beautiful yeah. and destroying. But this is something else entirely. Like, this was never going to get the fucking baubles, man. It was never going to get the spoils. No, yeah, that's... that's- my my like my favorite movie from that year was The Master, which still I think they got like individual acting nominations, but the idea of like uh, Argo won that year, and that was like the year of Lincoln and like Silver Linings Playbook. Longtime listeners of our podcast know I do not mm. care for that movie, but the idea of comparing like, just exactly what you're saying, the idea of comparing something like Lincoln to The Master is the same thing. Is like how can you compare Holy Motors in a more yeah. trying to like cram them into just the same category of comparison is very yeah. silly. Hmm. So, uh, so I'm curious. Before we go into like the the like character by character, uh, mm. what do you guys think the movie's about? Like, as far as you know, if if they told you, hey, what is this about? Not not about like not plot wise, but what is it? What is it trying to say? And it's okay if you say that you don't know because it, it's you know you can, it's it can be pretty perplexing. I, I perplexing. I I mean, I'll start. I the first time I watched it. And, and this just shows just how literally I can take things. To me, it was just uh, a very uh, hyper-realistic depiction of the life of, of an actor specifically, but also just uh, maybe a little more abstractly uh, the life of a storyteller. And just basically uh, you see this, this guy, this performer, uh, basically working himself to the bone and how you know you have to draw from your own life when you're a, when you're an actor and so that obviously takes a toll on you and you you know when you get to the when you get home and it's just like monkeys that are your family you know it's because <laughs> it never ends you know at, at one point it just becomes a cycle where it's just you you never really punch out you know it's like he he leaves he, the house that he ends in uh, that he ends the movie in is different from the house that he left at the beginning mm. of the movie and so on so uh, now once you know that it's also that the director had uh, kind of an axe to grind against digital mm. uh, on this second view I was like oh but it's also a lot about just you know practical versus uh, uh, CGI and, and you know film versus digital and kind of like the evolution of uh, storytelling and the challenges that an artist faces when trying to remain true to himself but also uh keeping the attention of the audience i mean there's that scene where the i guess one of his bosses or whatever is talking to him and telling him that you know the audience is changing and that he doesn't look as interested as, as, as he used to and uh you know i don't know you kind of see this guy as kind of as, as a symbol of the old guard the old way of telling stories and yeah. uh but the world might be moving on uh and then of course you close with the even the cars reflect that sentiment when they're saying you know the, the humans are about to replace us we're, we're not going to they're going to get rid of us so that was something that i took on the second watch and i guess having that that previous knowledge but uh uh i don't know what did you guys walk away with if anything after? It's, it's interesting you say about um that scene with his boss because i got my kind of insight into what i th- not like literally the whole film but i think like a snippet of the film he says he says a line in that scene saying I liked it better when the um, I could see the cameras. So I feel like some of it could be like the 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 way we've gone into like reality shows and how everything's like in the real world now, this acting in the real world and everyone likes to see this like glorified thing on the news, like this this model get taken away by this disgusting creature and it's all about these massive headlines and big things happening in real life rather than just watching films anymore. It's all about reality shows and horrible stuff like that and that's mm. kind of a little insight okay. to what i thought backing up exactly what you're saying there as well i thought it was it was a case of 
the cinema that we used to love. And by the way, as a sort of sidebar, I don't know if you, any of you guys, I know a couple of you said that you uh, haven't like really looked into it, but if you check out any interview with uh, Leo Carax, is that what we agreed to call him? Is that what we it's, agreed? We didn't agree anything, Ben. You, you, you got to back this up yourself. Carax, in any interview with him, he is exactly as you would expect a director of a French film like this to be totally, completely cagey, pretentious, disinterested in giving anything that remotely resembles an answer to any coherent question that tries to interrogate this film. And uh, every time that someone says, this is obviously about cinema, you're, you're, you're commenting on the state of cinema and the evolution of, of uh, it as an art form now. He says, no, no, it's not about that. It's not, it's not about cinema at all. It's not about cinema at all. And Mark Commode, who I don't know if, if you guys know uh, Mark Commode, uh, he's a very high profile critic over here in the UK. He says, never trust a director when they tell you that their film isn't about something. It means you've got to the crux of, of what, it, what it is about. And it took for me to properly look into it afterwards to get a feel for what I actually now think the film is about. But at the time, it was kind of about this guy who was an actor who, who his glory days were behind him but actually I thought it was perhaps a bit more personal I, I thought it was the different sides of ourselves that we show to people in society at different times this is just my interpretation when I was trying to bring logic to that madness so to some people we're the fun loving person we're the extrovert to some people we're uh, very introverted to some people we're timid to some some people we're overbearing we're very loving, we're, we're a family member or we're a monster to different people in life and we wear these different fucking hats all the time. Like when I come off this call to you, the way that I am acting now, I'll still be me but I'll be a different person with my wife and when I speak to people at work tomorrow, I'll be a different person again. So for me, it was kind of like an extreme version of every fucking hat that we wear in life because like, I think he, he said something like it's meant to be the whole human experience in a day. And I mean, it's like, a, it, it's that and, and fucking, fucking more. But I guess if you could condense every extreme moment in your life that you've had with different individuals into a day, it might look some, something slightly like this. That random uh, armpit licking that you did when you were 33 suddenly becomes <laughs> a to haunt big you, man. sad piece in the movie. <laughs> I was just about to say, I, I wouldn't be opposed to eating Ava Mendez's hair as being part of just my everyday life. But, you know. I kind of took the West, um, the Westworld approach to it. I kind of thought it's almost like a service you pay for. Um, yeah, I thought that as well at first. Actually. So the very first, it's an interesting, Ben sent us a list of all the different sections. And he listed the banker at the beginning as a section and in my opinion watching the film straight up I just thought that was a real person and anything mm. beyond there was him in character I didn't question that being alright we're starting here this could be him in a character so I just thought it was kind of like um, obviously the holy motor side of it I thought maybe it's like something you could do before you die like it could be your last day on earth you get to experience everything and him going off with the monkeys I don't know in some way you don't see it but he would die that night or something like that. I thought it was just that Westfield, Westworld, sorry, um, not shopping centre, um, way of life. Like, it's a whole world set up for you to go into that day. Like, the woman who was sort everything out for him, she just does something like that. And also, because you came across the other limousine halfway through the film as well. So, it's obviously a series of them going around doing it for different people. But that's so, what I... What you're saying there, Adam, I think you got a point, actually, because there's 11 different stories for 11 different personas that he plays throughout the course of the film but when he gets in that limo there are nine appointments 
that he needs to attend to. Which yep. should then for mean that who we first see and who we last see are the lives that he goes back to. So yes, that was his life that morning. That was him, if yeah. Mr. Oscar was him. And at the very end, when he goes to those monkeys... <laughs> is that Miss? Is that Mister Oscar with his new wife and daughter? But that's still him. I don't every, know. That's... Every time, every time the monkeys come up, Alex starts shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Like when that happened, it was like I, I was watching. I finished it this morning. I was kind of hungover when I woke up, and like for a second, I'm like, "Am, am I hallucinating? Like, is this actually what's happening?" Um, uh, I, I I actually uh, sorry not to cut you off before I forget. Because I did count them. I went back and, yeah, it's nine. But I think the last one, the monkeys, is supposed to be his last assignment. Because they repeatedly say in that last section, yeah. Yeah. he has one more assignment. And the That's next, true. Uh, That's true. No, to yeah, me, I thought that was a, and there was, yeah, it wasn't his life at the end of it. I thought he wasn't going back to that life. That was just the last chapter of his day yeah, as a holy motorist. To me, the, the, the big question is... Uh, which one? Because you're right. If you do the count, there's two that mm. uh, 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 that are potentially not true, uh, or not part of his job. And it's either the Kylie Minogue scene, yeah. or the, or yeah. the banker that he kills, kind of at random. Mm. Uh, you yeah. know, because that's he makes the car stop and he runs. It's kind of like out of the plan. And uh, I mean, it's fascinating one or way or it? the other. Whichever, or yeah, whichever way you go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or it could be, you know, I don't know, maybe both of those are not. We just never saw one of the assignments. I don't know. But, but yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Alex. So, well, I was just going to say, I, well, not knowing that thing about uh, it potentially being analogous to phasing out film and bringing in digital, that that has been, Julio's known me for 10 years, and he knows that's something I'm very passionate about. So I very much appreciate that. But in this viewing of it, my reading was like, this was an allegory just for like functioning in society and like, the whole idea of just uh, you work and then you die. Like you, you might have a family, but like the whole thing is you, you life is not for living. Life is for working, which unfortunately is a reality mm. for a lot of people. And I took that away from it. And then the points of it that like made me think that way, like for, I go with the performance thing of it. Like I was like, Oh, uh, we all perform in some kind of way. I was kind of making sense of that. But then the scene where he, uh, attempts to kill the guy that looks exactly like him and then that guy stabs him back like and yeah. you don't know which one it is that left the warehouse uh at least i don't know I, I didn't know which one it was that was like to me interpreting like you are interchangeable as a person no matter what level you're at or what you do you there's someone exactly like you that can come along and take your place and then what really solidified my stance on it was when um star of 1994 street fighter miss kylie minogue showed up <laughs> at the end and you saw that there's basically just a whole gamut of people that do that shit every day like he's been doing like we've been following the main character throughout and then getting to the actual holy motors facility and then seeing that you know these limousines think the way we do and it's just all they're all just worried about being put out of work or you know put away or taken to the junkyard and stuff like that so i just you know a really intricate artistic way of you know conveying the life sucks and then you die mantra that some people seem to cling to which is what i kind of took away from it but yeah listening to all y'all's reads on it i think that there's a lot of the um i missed the line actually about like uh, the cameras i missed it when i could still see the cameras which is like a huge line of exposition that i regret missing <laughs> but uh i think like with any great art uh and again i think our opinions on this have vary a little bit but that's what makes it great 
is like we talked about that you can have all these different readings from it and especially with something like this and there are you know a good amount of filmmakers um that have no interest in explaining what their movies are about which i think always makes them even more fascinating and yeah that comes off as kind of pretentious is the word i know that has been thrown out a couple times but um it leaves you with like this sense of I think longing might be too dramatic of a word, but uh, desire of wanting to know, whereas mm. that is so much more fulfilling than, mm. I don't know. I, as anyone that knows me knows, I'm a huge fan of you know the Friday the 13th franchise. I get what they were trying to say with every one of those movies. <laughs> I, I get yeah. what the point <laughs> of it is. Are you sure? When, when it's <laughs> over, I'm not like stuck wondering what that was about. And for the purposes of that... Um, it entertains me for that hour and a half and I'm happy and having fun with that, but then it's over and then I can kind of joke about it, but it's not really something that sticks with me. Movies like this. And I mentioned the master earlier, man, the master stuck with me for so long. And I can imagine this doing it too, of just, I want to know, but no one will tell me. So I have to come to my conclusions and it's, it's uh, frustrating, but rewarding at the same time. Totally. I get that. The, frust- the frustration goes hand in hand with the, the the love of it because it's that it's the mystery it's it's the unknowability of something that makes it so fucking fascinating. Mm. Nothing, no one person is an open book, and sometimes the, the people that you meet in life, where it's just like, well, what you see is what you get with them. They're they're fine to know, but they're not the most interesting thing. Like, there's a reason that these two are my closest friends because, despite the surface that you see in the podcast and all of that. I know how many fucking layers there is beyond that as well. And that's what makes them fucking interesting people. That's why I want to know them in my life. It's why I have the people in my life that I have because I appreciate the levels. I appreciate the fucking depth. The artifice on the surface is is not for me. The the thing about this film, just to to broadly speak again before maybe we go into some of the sections, that makes it so special is regardless of like how I interpret it or how any of you interpret it or what the director intended, I felt something that I'd never felt before with any other film, not even the Lynch films that I'm sort of half comparing it to. It made me fucking feel something like maybe like exhilaration. It's what fucking cinema should do regardless of whether it's like a slow burn drama or some big fucking blockbuster. You feel some level of exhilaration with what you're watching if you watch something completely perfect. Or close to perfect. Just make me feel. You've done the job. You've made me feel something. And in this case, you've made me feel something that I can't explain. Well, that's fucking cinema, man. If you can, if you can articulate something that I can't put my finger on, you've done some, something fucking beautiful. And that's what I'm always really looking for in films. Not all the time, I guess. Not all the time. We can't be feasting on a diet of this shit day in, day out because we'd be fucking Fruit Loops. But this is the kind of stuff that I always want to come back to. And this is what I can be a little bit of a Nazi about these sorts of films. I know that I can and be like, yeah, every film should be like this. But I think with a film like this... Fuck the MCU. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Quite funnily dumb. enough, you know that you know that Carax now says that he wants to go on and d- direct a superhero film. So hey, <laughs> oh, he, God. he he may be in there sooner than you think. That would be so maybe wonderful. we. Uh, it would, I would love to see it. So maybe we could just. I don't, we don't want to spend too much time on every individual thing, but maybe just sort of like skirt skirt through things like the whole intro before we even get to the banker, right? I didn't have a clue what was going on at the time, obviously, because it's the beginning of the movie, but by the end, I couldn't quite explain it. Now, having done research, 
I feel like I can explain it, but I'd be interested in it, if any of you guys have like an interpretation of that based on just face value. Fuck no. Well, to me, it like set the tone of just one, the unpredictability that's about to follow, and two, now like literally in this moment rethinking it, uh, like moving from you know, what you're comfortable with and then immersing yourself into a, a cinematic universe of fantasy, I think could mm. be interpreted with that. But, um, yeah, for me, my immediate thing was I thought the sound of my TV was broken cause it's silent, but then like that big, like train horn comes on. So I was just like, Oh God, <laughs> hey, it turned up all the way. Um, Nolan comes staving in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, I, the, uh, again, that would definitely be something I'd have to rewatch specifically. And when the time this movie was over, it felt like that was five days ago that that opening scene. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember that at yeah. all until Ben just mentioned it, really. Yeah. I forgot it was part of the same film. Like, mm. it just feels completely different. Like, I think, I don't feel, even though there's a lot of surreal things happening in the film, most of the stuff you can kind of pick apart and get an understanding from it. I feel like that kind of was a good jumping off point to be like the most surrealist thing with a baby and a dog walking down a, the aisle of a cinema. And it's like, almost like, here's a massive hit of surrealism and now I drag it back a bit. And now mm. you have, you're, in, you're in the balance of not too frustrating, just the right amount of surrealism. I think, yeah. I, I think that it was a nice little jumping off point. Well, I think that... Uh, it, but uh, to me, the key thing is that obviously I did not think about this the first time i watched it because yeah the first time i watched it it's just you don't know what you're in for so mm. just you're not really picking up on anything uh but the second time around it's just you know it has to be key that the first thing you see or among the first things you see is actual silent film in black and white and mm. uh and then the fact that you have these wide shots of the audience in the movie theater, but they're all sleeping, or at least it looked to me like they were sleeping. Yeah. So yeah. if if it's to be viewed as a critique of the audience, modern audiences disconnecting, not having the patience anymore for classic cinema, then he's kind of setting the tone there. Would anybody pick up on that right off? The, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, or, it's true. But but the second time around, it it can jump out if you're if you've read about that if you've read about his opinions about digital and all that stuff so uh mm. that was the main thing watching it this time uh it's and you see it again at the very end like he has like a few more shots of black and white uh silent film mm. uh so i think that that's the main thing i i get from the book and from the book and as far as the protagonist coming out of a room that's behind a movie theater i mean uh, yeah <laughs> that's, uh, but the thing that's cool about that which you don't know on knows at first unless you're very familiar with him is that that is carrick's that's the director mm. which i didn't fucking realize really so i didn't know that it is mm. the director himself stepping into his own work of art from the very off and looking at the cinema screen so immediately there's fucking subtext there. If you know who he if you know who he was, you'd be like, okay, here we're going fucking meta. If you don't, <laughs> then you don't. But there's something in this guy's personal life, character's personal life, that maybe that, yeah, it's not like a fucking spoiler, so I, I I'll bring it up now and maybe we can see how it might inflect in things as as we go along. So he was in a relationship with um a woman and he became like a essentially a, a stepdad to her daughter from a previous relationship uh this girl was 14 i think and he'd been with this woman for a long while and then she commits suicide 
the year before this film was made. And that's what the image is that you see at the very end of the film. You see this woman uh, and it's dedicated to her. And like I said, only knowing this after the fact, once you go away and do a bit of research, it's, it, it then in, inflects the film a little, little bit. It's meant to have some bearing on everything that happens in the film. Like after her death, he was propelled to make this film and throughout a lot of these scenarios there's like a father figure in some way connected to some surrogate daughter or actual daughter along the way finding his place in the world and I think that opening scene once you know that you look view that opening scene completely differently as well because Carax wakes up in bed there's another bed immediately next to his which is empty he goes through the wall he looks on screen and what he sees on screen is his daughter in the real world looking back at him and then we move into that banker storyline so there's a lot of uh, heavy shit that I think he's working through in this movie on a personal level as well as all this mm. larger scale stuff I think at the heart of it it's a very personal story for him which That's he's channeled through various other, other ways if you do a little bit more research you find out that he has a pet monkey so shooting along then we get to this banker guy like boring fuck i thought once we focused on him from the off i thought oh shit man why couldn't we have stayed in that land of the surreal for a little while longer because now we're in some bullshit he gets in a limo (laughs) and he's talking about stocks and he's talking about weapons and i thought shit man now we're in up for some typical aren't we now we're just gonna have some typical for a fair while and then that motherfucker turned into a beggar, and I thought, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, actually. I totally forgot that he started talking about stocks and weapons and stuff. So he, so immediately he's in a role, right? So that isn't actually, if he's because he's that's not his persona. I, I thought that was him, though. I, I mean, but he's wearing a wig. But he yeah. is wearing a wig, right? So he's still playing that role as banker. He's wearing yeah. a wig. Yeah. So, so, so do you not... think that's him from, like, that's the last the role previous that he played night. the night before? I think so. Ooh. Because okay. they, they, they give him the files or, you know, his first file is, you know, yeah. after yeah. that. Here's your nine appointments for the day now. Yeah. When the movie was over, that's how I read it. At first, I thought this was just this guy. But, yeah, when the movie was over, it's like, oh, he's just on this constant cycle of having to do this shit. Mm. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So he he hits the streets as that beggar, and uh, I mean, I, it, it, what's the interpretation of that? Because it's a very short scene; it's like two minutes, really. It is very short, and also the only thing I really picked up on in that scene was this odd old lady walking yes. behind him. <laughs> That's the only really? thing it's I picked like an old up man, on, wasn't it? It was an old lady, and she was like, it looked like she was lost. She was like, "Yep." To me, it looked like like they were record like they were shooting that scene, but they hadn't told people. Like you know, he was just like pretending to be a beggar, like in the real world. Okay. And, and yeah, this yeah. woman kind of like wander off into the shot, mm. and they were maybe trying to like wave her off, and she's like, "I don't know what to do." But you you only see her back, <laughs> so it could anything could be happening there, yeah. or it could be intentional. But it was, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's obviously there for for a reason, as far as you know, maybe even if it's just to fill out that part of the of the of the frame. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I've always, you know, to me, like that—that's just like introducing to us the idea that he is an actor and that he can play different personas. Because before then, like you said, you just you can't just assume that that's that he's a banker. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's straight back into that fucking limo, and into the motion capture suit. 
Now I'm gonna I put that my was cards on the table one. here. Let me t- put my cards on the table here, right? I don't like sex scenes in films. For I, I have, I've come on many <laughs> diatribes in the past. Sex scenes in films always piss me off because they're a waste of a good few minutes. At, at best, they're a waste of a good fucking few minutes. At worst, well, now we know why like they why they didn't shit. pick blues the warmest color. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure That's there was three some, hours, that film. I'm sure there's a colour and texture to that sex in, in that film, though. <laughs> but the reason I say that is when these two motion uh, capture performers started doing their thing, like, I felt something that I don't normally feel in sex scenes, and that was, like, kind of arousal, man. <laughs> it was kind of arousing, right? And maybe I shouldn't say this, but... This latex shit, this licking and sucking of these smooth, <laughs> colourful areas, there was something beautiful on it. So it was, uh, it made me fucking feel something that I wasn't expecting. Much more, much more, my point being, much more than whatever that shit turns out being, you know, the CGI shit. That human interaction underneath yeah. the latex made me feel a hell of a lot more than what it would then go on to be. Right, I so thought you were going to tell us it, it opened up the rabbit hole for snake porn for you. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so, so Ben has opened up his heart. I, I think that it's only fair that everybody like around the table, who else was aroused? I, by I, the... I got a sense of horror. I was just a bit confused. <laughs> Confusion it was like, and horror. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like he paid a prostitute. Like That was what I thought would happen in that one there. And that I was, was just a weird get off. Like a get off he had way more occupied with the because that female actress or i don't even know if she would consider an actress she was clearly a contortionist yes and like the things the things she was doing with her body were freaking me out and i really liked how low the lighting was in that scene so like it looked like her body was just like transforming into different shapes it was yeah it was cool uh i didn't get a chub or anything but i appreciated what it was <laughs> i'm not saying i did alex i'm not saying i did <laughs> uh but as a, what I my thought process was actually like, and, and this is a follow up question: What when we see the end result and we see the the kind of dragons that are having sex? Did how did you guys feel about that? As far as was that like, oh, that's kind of interesting, that's beautiful, that's not as good as what I was looking before? I mean, now we know Ben's stance here. <laughs> I just didn't really pay that much attention to that part. Like, I thought it was all just part of the weird good old Adam. Good old world. Adam. It's the, it's, I just thought, all right. This is where this film's going now. This is the direction it's decided to turn into. And just kept following the journey. I d- didn't think into it too much. I just thought, okay, now they're going to be dragons. I just wondered what the fuck kind of movie or game they were making. Because yeah. first he was like running downtown shooting a gun off. And then there's these like snakes like, yeah, just treadmill. going to town on each other. And yeah, it was, I was very confused. But that's that's something like Hideo Kojima would make. That, that could very well be a video game. I appreciate it. Mm. I feel like the the first two are are the quite easy going ones where it's like you can kind of understand what's going on. Like the first one is like a people get paid to be like um, these actors in the street, like if they're advertising some kind of event or something. So I could get that. It's like it's, that's there's a contract to do that for. This next contract is a, a, to be mocap suit. Okay, yeah. And that's when it gets weird. Off that, I feel like that was just mm. a job to do for a mocap film. It's a pretty extreme job, though. Like uh, the, the, they, they, they are dry humping. That's oh. not Planet of the Apes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that the, I, I thought it looked cool, but in the back of my head, I was just trying to figure out if he is trying to say, you know, how cool it was when they when you were watching them having sex, mm. like, uh, uh, you know, 
in real when you were looking at real people and this is how mm. alex gets in my head because that's usually his shit you know and then it's nowhere near as cool when you see the computer generated image that came from that yeah uh, yeah exactly. which is funny because exactly. i mean ben literally just said that he was getting aroused by the <laughs> by the actual people in latex and yes and not really he didn't really get a reaction of the dragons um but i would imagine that there are people that that uh react the opposite way where they might be put off by the contortionist and this guy kind of licking her late her latex but then when you see the end result and you see the dragons you're like oh that's kind of cool and yeah so if once again he's trying to make a commentary on the audience and in the way that it's evolving uh this is you know the the dragons yeah. are the all the the cgi superhero movies <laughs> and yeah and our protagonist is just like the the solid actor that well he, he just has to go through this he, he he gives it his all but in the end what you see is just very artificial on the screen uh, so that was again that's like with the foreknowledge of having known what the, his stance on digital was uh that came to mind but it's like also, yeah, so sense. you guys are pretty sure that she was a contortionist right because that was the other thing i thought maybe yeah it'd be she like definitely uh, seems like she is well it would be a pretty good mindfuck if she's also cgi and that's him saying, well, there's bad CGI and there's good CGI. And I got you with wow, the good Wow, can one. you imagine? Like, we need to fucking find that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then this, after the mocap, uh, the next one is Monsieur... Monsieur Bird. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's when it... it um, d- Godzilla it, theme kicks in. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and then it... and then this like gremlin like creature just wandering through this uh admittedly very cool cemetery it looks it doesn't look i assume that was all like a practical location uh somewhere because that looks like a very old his um probably somewhat historic cemetery but whatever the case he starts just eating flowers and shit like a a wild dog and then uh this is where we get ava mendez and i was like hey there she's making the big bucks for being in a foreign film just standing there looking all pretty i was thinking at this point what the fuck is she doing in in this film like it's not totally been leading up to suddenly seeing eva mendez at this Mm. point oh yeah it was the i was looking at the poster for this and she has top billing but it's like one of those where it's uh, the actors on one side and she's on the other but it's still funny that she would get i guess feeling it's all American contracts, baby. But um, yeah, it's. It, I appreciate that it gives you no time to prepare yourself for this because we no, go just none. from like, even as weird as the mocap sex is, it's still somewhat mundane because it's not kind like normal. wild. You, yeah. To, yeah, it's not torrid, unabashed like intercourse. It's just kind of like, well, this is kind of different. And then yeah. just smash cut to this crazy guy with a wide eye, and he eats this girl's <laughs> fingers off, and. <laughs> Yeah, you have no time to prepare yourself. I mean, it's like Paul said, this is this is the one that just doesn't feel like a normal job. Mm. The previous two, you could be like, oh yeah, that's that's still based on reality, and this is just like he, he bites a woman's fingers off. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, like, he's not playing a role anymore. What's going on? Well, this is the only point where if if these are paid acting gigs of some sort, then a hell of a lot more people need to be in on it if that is mm. the case. Yeah. And, and you know, but it, maybe, maybe it's possible. I don't think so. But just Ava Mendes' reaction to him was like familiarity. She was at no point surprised to see this guy. She never really expresses any sort of disgust. And I don't know what that's saying about her as a as as a model or as an actress or as someone who's like the object, the object or the subject rather of a of a photographer. 
like they don't have feelings or opinions or something I don't know but she was at no point repulsed or even like enthralled by him so I, I don't really know what they were saying to be totally honest I just fucking loved him being gross all the way through yeah I loved it, was it. Great. this is the one the first one that made me step up really well you got the beggar one like no one gives him the money but this one again it's like the photographer just constantly trying to take the pictures of it it's that yeah. kind of whole how people react to a situation in life like that whole he's like showing the mirror on life kind of thing Mm. That bit. Yeah, weird. If he's if he's arguing against modern trends in cinema and just the sexualization of people like Eva Mendes, right? Because the the sequence basically ends with him covering her up. He he yes. sees her cleavage and then he yeah. starts modifying her dress so that by the end she's completely wrapped and all you can see is her eyes. Uh, I, you know, that's I guess that's something that's happening that, that you might be saying. I mean. There's something he also is like chastising his dick right before that. Like when he's looking down at his dick, he's sort of like shouting at it in that undecipherable way. Like I think he was spit on it at one point, maybe as well. I don't know. But yes. <laughs> God. It was uh it was a sight to behold. So there is so basically he's the director put this character in another film called Tokyo. He uh, it's on YouTube. You can just see the four minute short, and it's literally—it's almost like identical to what happens, although it plays out on a much bigger scale in Holy Motors. But he comes out of a manhole in Tokyo in a one shot, walks down the street, and along the way, rips a fag out of someone's mouth, starts eating flowers, kicks a stick out from underneath a handicapped man. He puts a cigarette out in a baby's pram and stuff, and then just goes back down the manhole cover. <laughs> Just—I I don't know. I—I I thought. In the context of that film, that probably what he was trying to say was, uh, like, this is like, uh, I don't know, European, white European pig coming into someone else's culture. That's what that's what my interpretation of it would have been, just seeing it in that film. But mm. in this, in this European film, I, 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 I don't know what the interpretation would be so much. This is the big one where I thought this is reality TV kicking in because it's this it's this like beautiful model and it's all about all this press that surrounded them and this massive thing happens that's like totally off the wall and mm. it's like everyone would be so into that like oh my god what this thing that did you see this thing that happened this model got taken away by this grotesque man and this woman's fingers got bitten off it's all like this it's it's this really like there's not much depth to the story but this is what people want to consume it's like whoa yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa 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 yeah and it's that's like, true yeah it's the yeah. kind of horror story that gets it, it out onto t- into the yeah. Twitterverse or the news and it gets gobbled up that day and then it's gone tomorrow yeah, yeah. and something else which I feel like one of you would have know, um, said by now but when he first comes into the graveyard and he's eating all the flowers I, was, I tried to do a little research and I couldn't find it again but he goes past some gravestones and on each of the gravestones yeah. is a di- like translated into different in different languages is a website yeah, it's like visit my website or something visit like that. Visitmywebsite.com right? or something like that. And it's like there's a German one and there's an English one and it's like <laughs> So I guess that plays that that plays into the digital thing I'm I, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. then that sort of migration to everyone's lives being online, yeah? Mm. Um and like rather than anyone having any fucking memory of us when we die, it's all gonna be, well, let's check out their online presence. Alright, well yeah. Mm. There's their YouTube channel, there's their Facebook account, there's their their Twitter account. Very good. Listen to my podcast. And then he drop kicks a blind man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, he does. 
That's when the wrestling comes in. That's when Alex is like, yes, we're going now. <laughs> it's all it's all played out. These are all things that we shouldn't laugh at, but because of how ridiculous and extreme it is, all of it is fucking funny, man. It's the betrayal. It's in the eyes of the beholder. It's in the mm. eyes of the beholder. It, it's meant to be absolutely absurd. Like, the the ease at which he, like, bites her fingers off like he's a yeah, freaking like shark. So- and, like... Um, Ava Mendez puts up no struggle, and I mean, just like we called out earlier with the intro of—is it Godzilla or King Kong? It's Godzilla. Because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. originally well, when it was in that Tokyo movie, they used that music as well. So I think it's meant to be like, "Here's the next monster to terrorize Japan." Monsieur yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. And yeah, watching that, it, it it from the get-go paints like this picture of levity uh, and make sure that to not take it too seriously but yeah he's obviously terrifying and uh, mm. I would not really want to hang out with him at any point <laughs> but he makes you know what in a really weird way he makes smoking a cigarette look enticing again I haven't smoked for a while now but weird weird ways of smoking are, are things <laughs> that draw my mind back to it like the reason I became a smoker was because of Ray in Ghostbusters when he comes down after saving the day he lights up a fag as the cigarette as the credits roll and I was like, okay, that's why I want to be a smoker. There's nothing particularly cool about Ray and Ghostbusters, but that was the coolest thing ever to me. And then seeing him, Monsieur Murd, in this one, when he pushes his way to the front of that crowd, there's a guy smoking there. And with his mangled fingers, he grabs the cigarette out and puts it in his, his mouth like this. And he's like fucking bent over backwards. I'm like, I want a cigarette. That's, he's enjoying That's what you want a cigarette, cigarette. as well, then that. Yeah, well, I assumed you wanted a cigarette after the latex sex scene, but you know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when he couldn't deny it anymore. Yeah. Then we switch gear quite significantly as he turns into Le Père, the father. Oh yes. Oh, it's when he's in the, the terrible dad. Mm. The terrible okay. dad. Okay. Well, is he the terrible dad? Yes, I suppose he is. He leaves the door and goes away. We we have a father here in this group. Would you ever yes. talk to your son like that, Paul? No, it's it was very like an abusive father. It's it was like it, it's almost like the best dad ever enticing this girl in, and then it's like, no, you fucking did something bad. Now I'm gonna fucking treat you horrible, kind of thing. It's the common abuser. <laughs> he didn't, yeah. it, but I didn't think he was so much of a. I mean, he was. He said some terrible shit to her, but I feel like it came from a place of frustration because he wanted her. He wanted her to get along with people. He wanted her to make friends. Socialize. Yeah, and, and the frustration that she she couldn't, not just like her failings, but with the situation that she couldn't feel that comfort, that safety, that love of, of and happiness from friendship made him say that horrible shit out of desperation. I know that's still a cuntish thing to do, but, you know. <laughs> horrible. Horrible. They were... Um... And then, like, the Inception levels, weren't they playing Kylie Minogue's music at the party? Yes, that he picked they, they were. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were. And another Inception level, that is, that's the real-life daughter that he's stepfather to. Of wow. his oh, partner who okay. committed suicide. Who he felt oh. when she... Yes, exactly. So when he lost that his partner in real life, I guess there would have been a certain responsibility that he felt to her and for her happiness... And let's hope that he didn't treat her the same way he did this girl in this scene. So at this, this point is... in the movie, did any of you guys think that that he yes. he was not acting, that he was actually picking yes. up yeah. his daughter? This was the first yeah. time I yeah. thought, yeah. Yeah, me too. Because it also doesn't, because it, it's so, the way she just gets in the car, it's almost so abnormal that it wouldn't happen. Like, that's the part when I thought, okay, 
is he got to go back and actually do a part of his day? Because he tells the limo to wait around the corner, doesn't he? Mm. It's almost like yes. he has to stop the journey halfway through, do the thing, and then come back again. Yeah. Like, he does it completely off the books, away from her. That's what I was a bit like, is this his real life now? Well, don't get too comfortable thinking it's real life, because we got a crazy accordion number to come up next. <laughs> this was oh, my yes. favourite part. The, this is my, my favourite part, part of the film. Yes, agreed. Oh, it's yeah. awesome. It was brilliant. So good. Wonderful. It, I've played it, was, it so uh, many times. It was, um, I've, I've brought this up so many times, both on our podcast and also just talking to people. Uh, there's a movie called Southland Tales, and there's a scene in it that this musical number with Justin Timberlake set to this killer song. It's this big, elaborate dance number, kind of out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. that's the vibes I got here. It's because it's also very similar in that it's like one continuous shot for a period yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. And like it, in the cases of both movies, it's literally bridging the first half of the movie and the second half. And yeah. it's, uh, it, in both cases does a very good job of like in you know you want to make the cinema analogy this is like the intermission like you mm-hmm. your brain takes a break for this one moment here so you can mm-hmm. kind of reset yourself and kind of just on a very surface level enjoy what's in front of you um yeah that it's it's it looks great it sounds great and it yeah. is this like reinvigorating breath of the movie and yeah, it sounds like across the board this was 100%. a lot of our favorite parts. Yeah. Yeah. Now I count this as one of the nine. So Okay. So if, yeah, if, if it you would count be, this one it? as one yeah. of the nine, yeah. then mm. you only have to pick one to be false, either Calumny Nog or the or the banker. If you don't count it, then that means that there's uh there's two out there that are false. Maybe the baby and maybe the one yes, of the last right. bit with the car, the door. We can add them up at the end, but I think yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think this is a per- this is a portrayal, this is a persona, but I think even with this being a persona, there's still two potential real characters he could be. Uh, well, yeah, like you said, we'll count yeah, them. We, we'll, we'll count them. Away. <laughs> the moment when he said in the middle of this accordion song, when he turned around and he went in French, obviously three, twelve, shit. I was like, you've won me over. I, you've won me over. I'm on this fucking film now. <laughs> and when those electric guitars came in behind them as well. Oh, so yeah. great. Oh, so, such a great composition. So good. So uplifting, so as good. you say, yeah. Alex. It's like, oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> is uh, is the next scene where he does his insensitive Asian makeup? Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The... We, we always joke about um, Jim Sturgis and Cloud Atlas, how they... Yep. Horrendously yeah. make him look Asian yeah. in that yeah. movie. Obviously oh, not no. as bad here, but this was like the one where I was just watching it, like trying to figure out what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> because it it's just like we said, that accordion scene, and then it's just smash cut, and mm. you got to keep up because if yeah, you yeah. don't, you're going to get left behind. And not only you got to keep up, we're going to double down on the weirdness now because we're going to have him face to face himself. <laughs> yes, that's like that. I mean, that is very Lynchian anyway. So I don't know if he took he took mm-hmm. inspiration from him. Like the idea of doubles is all over fingerprints all over Lynch's work. So as you, as you said, Alex, like once he stabs himself in the neck both times, and you don't know which ones come out of there. That was a huge Twin Peaks vibe for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was like yeah. coming out of Glastonbury Grove at the end. What have we got mm-hmm. here? Have we, have we got good or bad? And I think it's interesting that after that like subsequent characters we then see him face himself again almost like the interval has split him in some way but i i haven't thought about that too much so i don't really know what that's that's saying but the fact that that happens twice is interesting yeah Mm. and the thing is i i i was with alex i don't know maybe all of us like 
after he when he staggers out of the building at least i thought yeah which one is coming out mm. and but it turns out to be I, I think that the movie is designed to make you wonder but it doesn't really matter because everything right. that no, happens after is just it's not that him being one or the other would have changed what happens later so uh if you go back to what alex was saying of basically you're interchangeable and anybody can replace you in the workforce that definitely plays against that theme which is pretty interesting yeah, yeah uh, it's funny you mentioned twin peaks because so much of this movie i kept going back to as is known by anyone that's talked to me for more than five minutes i'm a huge simpsons fan and there's mm. like this i don't even remember the episode but it's this isolated clip of homer it's like late at night and he's just by himself in the living room watching twin peaks <laughs> and uh yeah it's in like he, series eight i think yeah I and there's the just like <laughs> insane dialogue and homer's just like leaned forward on his couch and he just says to himself brilliant i have no idea what's going on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't watched it the other day because i could have sent it to ben i was like oh, i need to record this and send it to ben <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Twin Peaks junkie, but that is true. But yeah, but that—that's because it—it it, it tickles that unknowable fucking thing, man. And then I know we're we maybe we're moving a little swiftly, but actually I think it makes sense with the momentum of of the film and everything that's going on. It then goes into another level of weird, where we actually see him play a character, act out a whole scene, and then break fucking character. I'm talking about when he's the uncle dying uh. in the bed. Break yeah. character saying sorry, I have to go to another appointment, and she's like, "So do I." And I'm like, "What yeah, the that fuck?" One. See, to I, me, this is this still one, trying I, to rationalize. Hey, my friend Corey, who's uh, uh, we've had him in the podcast before, he's a yeah. big cinephile. But he, I remember, he didn't like Holy Motors to begin with. But he would bring up this scene as as an example of why it didn't work for him because he said you have a very well acted, well shot, emotional moment. And then the movie removes you from it mm. because it reminds you that it's a movie. And my counter to that was, but you always know it's a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like you don't really think ever that the actor is really dying when you're mm. watching a movie. No. So I think that to me, it's highlighting that aspect of cinema. Uh, it's just, you know, they're just people. They have to go. I think that the fact that yeah. he stands up and leaves doesn't take away the power of what happened before in this kind of narrative where, you know, he's just kind of experimenting and I'm playing around with the, with the format. But did you yeah. guys have the same problem? Did you feel cheated when he suddenly gets up and, and the magic goes away? I laughed it, when that happened. Yeah. Cause I, cause yeah, he was exactly. like, uh, sorry, excuse me. I just need to get up. It's like, cause she's still crying so much. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> At that point in the movie, if you expect anything different to happen, then you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. Cause yeah. we're far yeah. along enough in it to like, kind of see where some of this is going the main thing i popped for was when he got up to leave he like got his shit and then he went back to pet the dog <laughs> just yeah. like hell yeah dog lovers unite <laughs> and then he pets her doesn't he ask her something like what's your real name yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. There's, there's some exchange like that it's yeah it's at any moment in this scene specifically, it feels like if the camera panned out a little more, it would be like in a sound studio somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many yeah. parts of it that feel that way. What's what's great as well? It's almost like a, a double whammy because it's like you get that you get him standing up, and it's like oh, okay, so he's just acting out this scene for her. But it's like oh, she's not even this isn't even <laughs> yeah. for her either. It's the like grief it is doesn't fake. make sense. <laughs> but but if. But I like that that idea that uh, if it's an actor working himself to the bone and and that's just uh, that's just 
everything like every actor that's just what their life is just yeah if they're if they're not superstars they're just jumping from job to job and you can only get emotionally involved with the scene you know as much as the job requires you but then after that you mm. have to go because you have another job and yeah. and yeah. it's not just him it's happening to her and apparently it's happening to Kylie Minogue later in the movie so uh to paint this idea of, of a network of just actors that are you know character actors yeah, it's not that they do one blockbuster a year, but instead they're just doing lots of little movies, little like mm. jobs throughout the day, and uh, they mm. don't have the luxury to uh, to really enjoy <laughs> their work. It's yeah, just... I, it feels like this is a movie for actors. Actors should love this because, in many ways, it's like I feel fucking seen. This is me <laughs> going from gig to gig. I'm exhausted. I'm hacking up a lung by the end of the day. <laughs> I'm pulled from pillar to post. I leave a bit of myself in every gig that I do. But we don't mm-hmm. like to see that as audience members. We're like, fuck it, perform for us. Tell tell us something about us. Don't tell us something about you. How dare you get up before the scene is over? Yeah. Fred Ward watched this movie and went, God damn it, someone gets it. <laughs> so what did we go to next after this? And by the way, can I just say, this was my least favorite scene in the whole movie. Not because of the break, but because... I didn't buy any of the emotion of the scene. It felt slow. It took you too long to it get into the slow. scene before they moved on again. You so yeah. out, so out of sync from the rest of the film. You're like, okay, now we're doing this, and yeah. by the time you get into it, they've moved on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I agree, but when when he stood up was one of the best moments of the film. I'm not saying the scene was one of the best, but that that moment was one of the best. Yeah, going by uh, y'all's reading of it and y'all's opinion of like what it's saying about the state of cinema and you know the 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 state of it all um, could almost be interpreted that the acting was intentionally not great in this scene. Yeah, because it seemed like a lot of it was stilted. Which is again, I know we're I don't know what's more layered than an onion, but we've definitely been chopping that up uh, talking about this movie. uh, Yeah, I know. But yeah, so. It, the sequence was he was the killer, the killed, and then dying is the way it was listed, like in the character descriptions. Because also in there was um, when he jumped out of the limo and shot that politician or banker, whoever it was. He just oh, that's on the way the to head. this one. I was pretty sure it was in between what we were yeah, talking about. It was all. It was. It was uh, after the uncle, right? After the uncle in bed scene, but before uh, we meet Carly. Hang on. on, I have it here. We actually miss. We actually miss the um, the Gorbachev man in the car. Oh, Gor- the boss. Gorbachev. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, <laughs> so he kills himself, and then his this one boss, with the pinhead cushion on over his head. Yeah, the, that, that, like a bag the, like, over his head, but loads of pins on it, wasn't it? It was like an like yeah, it was like a ski mask wrapped in barbed wire. It actually looked yes. like fucking awesome. It was. <laughs> Obviously yeah, it was out of like not a, out of a horror film kind of shit. Exactly, it wasn't like tonally consistent with the movie. But my main thing was I was thinking like uh, someone should steal that mask and use it for like the new like slasher. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he just runs up and he shoots that politician, and then all his guards start you know quote unquote shooting him, and then they yell aim for the crotch, and then they <laughs> gun him down, and he's dead in the street. But then um, was it Celine? Celine, limo yeah. driver. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she just comes and picks him up that was kind of like we gotta go (laughs) see to me this one was because it the way it's aged it because he jumps out of the limo he makes her stop and he jumps out and kills that guy it it makes it look like that was not part of the plan that was not like a yeah that's why i thought i thought he just wanted to do that one yeah so that's that wouldn't be to me part of the nine and i i read it as if, if you wanted to give it an interpretation this is just him uh 
suddenly yeah. deciding to do like a really like indie movie that doesn't pay anything. He's mm. uh, he went and did Shakespeare in the Park. That's that's him just completely changing gears yeah. and. Oh, he's just got off the rails now. He just lost his mind and decided to kill someone. <laughs> yeah. The main thing is like, after he got gunned down, and then she just picked him up, and I was like, "All right, well, the good news is this movie can't get any weirder." And then about <laughs> a half hour later, that changed. That's, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say because it's almost like there's no consequences. If it's if, whether it's reality or it's actually a job he's doing, there's no consequences in the job. He can. She just comes up to him and like. Okay, we got we got to go now. It's like the time's <laughs> up. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, as well, is you said about the like the the dual parts of the personality, and you don't know which ones come out. It's like almost like he sees the other person in the street, and he's like, "I got to get rid of him." And he's almost, yeah. It's almost like maybe confirms that maybe that was the the banker guy who we saw at the beginning, and that was him. So that was the original guy we were following. Maybe. That's interesting. Because for some reason it's the same actor, who the, the guy was acting at you the beginning. You just inceptioned yourself. <laughs> I know. There's like inception on loopers going on here. It's ridiculous. Uh, is that when he goes? Because I remember when he does the where he kills a politician. He's bald, so I'm pretty sure it was after he got stabbed in the neck, and then he goes to be the uncle. Yes. And then yes. But then, and then from there is. But actually, okay. So so before he kills the politician, he gets the visit from the boss because. So he just murdered himself. He has to talk yeah. with the boss, and then he tells his driver, "Sometimes you want to kill more than one person." And then the next thing he does is kill another guy yeah. yes. in the street. Yes, the network executive tells him to up his ratings, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like what you're doing, but because <laughs> he has the old man makeup and the the frosted tip wig when he runs into uh, Kylie Minogue. Yes. Or I think yes. he, like there's a shot of him like pulling off the makeup and then, but he has that wig on still because she asks if that's his real hair, and he says no, not yet. And, <laughs> I mean it's it's Kylie Minogue. She's awesome. She's a, a international treasure. So seeing her pop up in something like this, and uh, obviously we're all English speaking. I'm I'm always curious when I see things like this in specifically French movies. It seems pretty common where there's interweaving of. The characters speaking English and French. I always find that really fascinating. I've never really but, understood uh, why that happens so much, like in films and in reality. Well, she probably couldn't speak French. But but are, are we supposed to think that she isn't French? I just assume she was French for the purpose of the film. Well, I'm pretty terrible with accents, but when when she is singing, is she singing with yeah. a French accent? Oh yeah, for sure not. No. No, 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 I don't think so. That's just no. Kylie Minogue That's singing. Just, okay, it it sounded like she was she was going for Feel something there. The locomotion with me. <laughs> if, yeah, if she exactly. had performed that song in this film, fuck all bets off. It would be a ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing as well about this this section is it's quite interesting what you said about the beginning, Adam. That it's almost like living their living their last moments of their lives. It's because when she jumps off and kills herself, if he knew this was a role, why did he act like he did? Like he was really terrified that she just killed herself. And it wasn't actually yeah. terrified. He was kind of like, ah! it was quite a girly kind of scream that he did. I thought like, that was all part of the act. It felt a bit act like, yes. It did feel like it was a, an act. I feel like that was a performance too. Okay. But, but to me, it's funny because you were just talking uh, uh, about how by this point in the movie, we've kind of gotten on the wavelength that there's no consequences, right? We've yeah. seen him mm. die twice now, and, and we've seen him kill other people, and it's just kind of... 
well, that's fine because it's all play acting. Yes. But honestly, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but when he turns the corner and he sees Kylie Minogue on the ground, like just dead with her partner, that was horrifying. Even though, yeah. I, even though you're you know, prepped for it, you know it's going to happen. She it's told serious. us. Yeah. Yeah. She said, "I'm playing uh, uh, an air hostess on her last day," so you know what's coming yeah. from the moment that she mm. says up to the ledge, and it was still horrifying. So uh, to me, his reaction was kind of my reaction just yeah. horror i mean he he played it up but yeah uh I, I i think it's funny that he's in the business and he still has that yeah uh, i don't know i would like to believe that this is not an act you know it's like if i have to pick one of those segments to be real life i want this one to be the, the one I that's agree. real because the the depth that his character gets like her song is amazing and that's mm-hmm. i think it's my favorite part of the movie uh even though it's it's pretty simple what she's saying and i had to look up the lyrics because i was i was playing with the uh i was trying not to wake up my wife at the time so <laughs> i couldn't like in in with her with the accent and the ac came on and i was just like eh. so i looked it up and it's, it's just a pretty simple song but just the fact that it's it's a lot about asking who you were yeah uh, who you are now and what would have happened if you've made different decisions it's just that uh, it can sum up kind of his his existential uh Crisis Existential crisis is is a good term for it actually because it was at this point on that first watch through where I hadn't really started making any connection to cinema as a whole and I was thinking oh it's about regret like I could have gone this way I could have done that I I could have been with her it felt like it was that sort of thing particularly as they're both aging at that point in in their mm-hmm. in their costumes they're of a certain age where they they've had that life experience where time has passed but Alex you said at the beginning that. Uh, Juliette Binoche was supposed to be cast in in that role, apparently, in the Kylie Minogue role. Uh, yeah, she was offered it because they, I guess, the director and she had worked previously. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's she's fantastic, so I don't see how it would have necessarily lessened or anything like that. The one thing, unless like I was just misinterpreting what I was seeing with like the way her body and like the viscera was spread out, it looked like there was another body next to her. Yeah, it was the, yeah. the guy and, that was looking for her, Henry, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that part of it too, and then yeah, like you said, like he lets out like this squeal, and then like fox trots, like <laughs> he does this really weird run, like um, he runs like Kirby in an NES game, pretty much is what he does. And but yeah, as far as like, I mean, Julia Binoche is great, but we're talking about Kylie Minogue here, and and fascinating career that woman's had, but especially when you look at her, you know. I say with air quotes filmography because it's it's not like she's has a rich storied history with film per se, but this being on there is definitely an outlier. Mm. And I think, I, I mean, the the interesting part about it is when she sees him, the way she like recognizes him immediately, but it's never really explicitly explained if they knew each other like mm. directly as human beings or just like because of their they're part of the same system. If that's how they recognize each other, yeah. and it's uh, again at this point in the movie, if. I feel bad for those that like are still trying to process four scenes pre or trying to process the Ava Mendez scene when this pops up and trying to make sense of it. But um, Man, but having now that after what Ben said of uh, the director's previous relationship and everything, this uh, Kyle Minogue saying about having a child, and of course when I was watching, I was like, oh, it's a metaphorical child. Mm. They're not, she's not talking about that, an actual child. Yeah. But uh, now that seems to be more literal yeah at least for him mm. on a meta level and yeah. a, a little bit darker because of that as well uh, the thing at this point is that we've as you say we've established that none of this is really like real they're all scenes they're all cinematic scenes in and of themselves that's why 
Julio, when you say of all the scenes in the film, you want this to be real. But that's kind of the point as well, isn't it? You want something, you mm. want to be able to at least say, well, at least that was real. At least that was real. But the whole thing is cinema. The whole thing is, is make-believe. And we trick ourselves into thinking these things happen. But at the end of the day, when that when Carrick's yelled cut, Kylie Minogue got off the floor, you know, <laughs> yes. the yeah. assistants went over there, scrubbed yeah. the floor down, right, onto the next one. <laughs> it's it's like the like the scene with the uncle. Yeah, it, yeah. It's still powerful in the way it's staged. Exactly. Does it take uh, anything even if away? They get up. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And is that the last scene? No. Well, well of course uh, it's yeah. not the last scene. The last scene, well, the last time we see him, the best scene of the film, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to this scene Don't ask Alex. Saw, saw the chimpanzees and I was like of course of course his wife and child are chimpanzees why wouldn't they be that's Makes the sense. right attitude yeah that's the right attitude I, I was just like uh, I was just crestfallen it was just like I didn't understand what I was watching at that point I, th- I thought I had pieced everything together but that's exactly right that's the way to look at it at that point in the movie for god it's just I, it's embedded in my brain the way the chimp comes around the corner and like smiles at him and how's our kid yeah of course that's how it ends i would love to spend the weekend with them like that wouldn't you love to spend a weekend with chimps like that like just hanging out acting like they're human bodies you see what they do aren't they really dangerous yes yeah, they can be they can be yeah <laughs> yes price you take they could rip you your face off chimpanzees yeah but actually, the song that plays over this is is a fucking fantastic song as well. And I was trying to yeah. listen to the lyrics of this, and that you can read into to those ones for sure, big time. But it's beautiful, and that's how the, fi- the film has managed to do something wonderful. Is the fact that something as absurd as him going upstairs with his chimp wife and his chimp baby and looking out of a window, hearing this <laughs> magical song is like, well, yeah, this is cinema, man. You've made me feel. <laughs> <laughs> they got like the disco ball or the light, yeah, the it's spinning like light going scene. in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah it's just <laughs> absurd. Fantastic, uh, but that's not the end. That's, that's not the, the end. No, the, then you have the the capper, which yes. the Toy Story reveal. <laughs> the Toy Story reveal. <laughs> yeah. All the limos they come to life and start oh, talking yeah. to each other. So this is why it's called Holy Motors. <laughs> uh, so his yeah, driver, like, his driver, puts a mask yeah. on which I mm. don't know what to make of that. So I, I'm assuming maybe no one in this room has seen it. I definitely haven't. I've not really heard of it. There's a film called Eyes Without a Face, I think. Yeah, I read this as well. Right, mm. so she, the, his limo driver throughout the whole film, was in this film, Eyes Without a Face, like in the 60s. And her character in it wore that mask. So I think just another really kind of compared to the rest of the film a really obvious reference to the fact to the cinematic universe and again this guy just hates being pressed on anything in his work because he's asked about it and he said oh, i didn't think anything of it i didn't think i didn't even make the connection <laughs> he's like i wish i never put the mask in because that's all anyone asks about like come on man you could be a bit mysterious and elusive but don't fucking bullshit like that it's like that's the one thing they ask about they don't ask about the monkeys they yeah. don't ask about Kylie Minogue. <laughs> So when she says, I'm coming home, again, not that we can take any literal interpretation of anything that happens in this film, but who are, do you feel she's talking to? And who is she? To Maybe she's just got a normal life. I feel like she's got a normal life and now she just goes back home and he carries on his day and then she picks him up in the morning. Maybe she's just like his PA or something. She puts on a mask to call home and say, I'm coming home. That's the thing. If she didn't put yeah. the mask on, I, yeah. I would believe that but because she puts the mask on i just assume that she's also playing a part she's mm. you know she's she's on her own rounds and she just finished the role of the 
of the limo driver and now she goes on to the next thing and she's been driving around white limos one of many white limos all night they're all returning at the same time to holy motors it's the first time you're kind of forced to think about the title of the film and mm. I guess the word holy, which is why at this point I was like, okay, well, it's all about death then. It's it, that guy, that was his last day on earth. And maybe he's being chauffeured through all the, these different scenarios in his life and, yeah. and different things like that. But then since then, I've totally fucking changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, well, the link I made was, um, as you say, that you see the holy motor sign. And maybe the link with holy that she's some kind of angel. Yeah, like yeah. She's got like a cherub face. Yeah. Like it's that kind of blank expression face, like a cherub, and that's that's all I can take from that. And then the cars start talking. <laughs> yeah, the cars start talking, and like the limousine thing, the connection. Uh, the, the, Carrick said that he got the idea for this film when he saw all these limousines riding around Paris. I didn't know there were so many fucking limousines riding around Paris. It certainly isn't in London. And he said mm. the I, the thing that struck him about the limousine is that by riding in one it's to say look at me but don't see me and that plays right into every single persona that this guy plays all the way through it's like i'm here i am i'm existing but you don't know who i am who am i mm. Mm. yeah i i was just i was too far gone at this point <laughs> after the monkeys <laughs> alex like, gave up yeah the cars are talking <laughs> And then again, the cars were talking in a like an amalgamation of English and French. They were. That's yes. what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. What well, do you make of the fact that they're they're bilingual? That some of them speak English and some of them don't. Because earlier, when you asked about Kylie Minogue, why is she? Why does she sing in English? Right. And I think that maybe there there is a reason why he cast a known actress that's not French. It's interesting that it was gonna be Juliette Binoche at first, mm. but. Uh, you know that that Kylie Minogue speaks English, and I don't know. You know that's that, that might be just his way of acknowledging that it's not a French woman. Yeah, um, but I, mean, I don't know if she's supposed to be playing a French woman that suddenly bursts into song in English. I don't know. It, it does happen a lot in European film. You get that mixture of whatever language they're speaking, and then they suddenly break into English. But you get it in English anyway over here, right? Like just talking, like I, w- I used to work with a couple of people who were French, and when other French people came into the office, they would be talking to them in French, and then they would just start talking in English out of nowhere. But I don't know if that's a cultural thing or what, or it's meant to, meant to just represent the Let's influence. I don't know. It's impressive. Mm. Well, I've got I've got one more thing to say about the limos. Come on, um, hit us with the limo talk. Uh, another another thing that I thought of is the fact that. Um, it's a little bit about status being in a limo mm. and the celebrity status and celebrities not wanting to die out and they want to be like this fame like carries for their life. It's almost like copied onto the limos because they're obviously the, the carriers of these celebrities and it's almost like the personalities the, the celebrities carried over onto the limo as well and it's like they want to carry on. They don't want to be forgotten. Yeah. They want the fame to like last. They're just like us. They have their own insecurities as well. What did you make yeah. of the fact that within the limo, he looks outside the limo through that screen and he sees it in different ways? Like he sees it night vision, he sees like thermal, and then right at mm. the end, he's like in a very, again, David Lynch style with the headlights thrown out the front of the car, driving through what looks like a graveyard, and then everything pixelates and distorts intentionally. Yes, it does. Three different ways of looking at the outside world. So he's inside and he could look out the window, but he doesn't. He looks at this tiny screen instead another an, another like i don't know implication that 
in order to view the world, we view it through screens yeah. in cinema. Oh, mm. see, I was going to say just maybe a, a hint that even what is perceived as a real world is not real. You know, it's just... Uh, yes, we, yeah. This is why I love these sorts of fucking things, man. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answers. I would love to, I need to watch this film again. I, I, I feel like watching it again, knowing what I'm going to get myself into. Yes. And also knowing what you said about the film now from the background, I think I'd enjoy it a lot more. I think I was just thrown, just quite thrown back by the whole experience. Like I did, but it's not a bad film at all. That's the thing. It's really well shot. It's really well made. It's, it's got a message in there, but it's just trying to get around all your head around that within the hour and a half of the film. Yeah, it lot. is, and it is. It is a lot to ask, and it's and it, it's not always the easiest thing to say when a film like that ends that you enjoyed it or not, because you need to like think about it and engage on it. Like Julio, I don't know if you about maybe two months ago we did Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. and I think it was a it was a first time for you, Adam. I think, and it was like yeah. second or third time for me and Paul. But yeah, once you are familiar with it a couple of times and you've worked through it and talking helps hugely like this like uh, now i've have a more rounded view of, of this film and, and in its madness it all makes a little bit more sense as well because of it because of these difference of opinions but also the commonality of them that's exactly what happened with Mulholland drive and it just makes you appreciate it yeah. more the ones that let let you talk afterwards and converse like you said after you watched it that first time you spent hours in a car park talking about it doing mm-hmm. that processing it makes you want to revisit it these are the marks of the greatest films it was fascinating to hear the back and forths, and again, like um, uh, I believe, as Paul already mentioned at that point in the movie, it's just why not? And then, as was said at the very beginning of it uh, by Ben, the idea of when it when it ended with the limos, and then the, the frustration of no, that can't be the ending because that just <laughs> it made me even more confused. Uh, so it was uh, a very fitting way to end that movie. Um, yeah, it was. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious, Ben. Count them out. Show me your nine. Because okay. you said that. So here's, here's the 11 characters that I've got listed, right? So uh, Mr. Oscar or the banker. Yeah. Homeless. Okay, beg- but, but, but that's like leftover from the previous night. Okay. All right. Well, then in that case, we've got 10. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so we're saying which one is the real one then of those 10? Uh, so the, the one that you it could be either Kylie Minogue or the... The, the banker, the, the the politician that he shoots on the street, which is staged right. in a way. They're both staged like an impromptu thing, right? Because in one, he asks the limo to stop, and then he runs out and shoots the guy. And then in the other one, mm. the limo gets into uh, an altercation with another limo, and he steps out. And, That's so it true. doesn't seem like it's planned. But one of those has to have been planned if he's going to have nine. Well, in, in the Hitman one, he gets up after being shot. Yeah. So that can't be real. The Kylie Minogue one could be, but then also equally, although it's not as it wouldn't be as extravagant if it was real. That father with with the daughter feels like a very real scene. It feels like amidst all of this bullshit, he comes to this very grounded, tiny thing of picking his daughter up from a party, and it's the only time he gets into another vehicle as well. Almost like we'll drop you off at your actual yeah. car. Did yeah, he? Because he's driving, and they're like. There's nothing about that scene, uh, be it as blatant as like the uncle getting up and leaving or just really subtle yeah. to make you think that it's part of this fantastical life that he lives. It, yeah, I, I, that would be my vote. I, can't, I, I kind of would like it if that was the real one because also 
like all of these little mini films that we've seen are kind of representative of different types of genres and stuff. And I always like something that's like a, a drama. I like a like like a intimate drama like that. And I feel like if all of those could be extended into long films, that's kind of the film I'd want to see. Mm. Um, the way he looks at the end is it the way that he looks in that scene with the daughter? Because I thought it was, but yes. I'm not sure. It is okay. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that could not mean anything, Maybe. or that could mean something. But he looks like an overnight security guard that like works <laughs> at, a, uh, at a gas station or something. He's got the like dopey kind of cover in his face hair, and um, man, I'm glad to see that cigarette smoking is still very much alive in France. Though I know we talked about that a bit earlier, but it's uh, uh, ridiculous the extent that it's he's like smoking in every single scene. Yeah. Total he's going to make a comeback in England, apparently, starting with Ben. <laughs> I know, I hope not. Well, he's got to teach them all the right way to smoke it. It's with, with the reversed hand, reversed hand. And in between your uh, middle and uh, ring finger. Beautiful. I loved, I loved that performance from him. That was wonderful. So, I, I, I made sort of this. We have to sh- give... Okay. We have to give massive, massive props to this guy. What's his name? Dennis Lavelle? Oh, God. Uh, Levant? There you go. Levant. L-A-V-A-N-T. Yeah. I mean... What a what a performance from beginning to end. Considering that it's we're not really dealing with dialogue, we're just dealing with physical presence all the way around. Like you don't see that often. That's like an ode to silent cinema. Like Keaton and Chaplin would have fucking adored his work in this, despite how extreme it is by comparison. There's a film called Mr. Lonely, um, a Harmony Corinne film, where Michael Jackson, a Michael Jackson lookalike, goes to this island with all other lookalikes to set up a community. And uh, what? Yes, it's as bizarre as you think. And and uh, Dennis, tell me the surname again. Levan, Levin, uh, Levan. Yeah, he plays Chaplin. He plays Chaplin in that movie. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin lookalike, and you know he totally embodies Chaplin in that as well. So he he he's like silent cinema. He's like that fucking icon from silent cinema who has traversed time. A century later, he appears in this film. Yeah, we um, Julio and I talk about that, or have talked about that extensively about how the, um, I guess you know the triple threat being able to sing, dance, and act, or mm. it, not necessarily all those things, but it's kind of a lost art. There's really not many people left that can really do that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so when you watch something like this, it, the talent is still clearly out there, and the ability to within the same two hour time frame can take on the roles of you know fucking nine different people or whatever the final number that y'all came to is it's um it's not a task that just anyone could accomplish i would no i would uh question the ability of you know say chris hemsworth to do something like this how dare you <laughs> <laughs> i'm here for that slander i'm here for that <laughs> well you when you go against one of your people how about the rock or john cena <laughs> you can't see john the cena. rock you know the rock <laughs> The main thing with every character he did would have to be just ridiculously muscular. That would be what it has to call for. <laughs> yeah. Maybe has like, the limo. Every time um, he gets in the limo, just flips over. So. <laughs> yeah. But in one scene, he has a mustache. And then in the next one, he has a hat on. Yeah. <laughs> but The Rock's already done his own prosthetic thing now, because I refuse to believe that he is bald. I still see him with that jet black hair. Late night <laughs> jet black hair. That was my rock, man. <laughs> him and mankind hashtag not my rock hell yeah there you go him and mankind. i can appreciate that 
Um, Do you remember the I quit days where Mankind was lying down on his face and he was screaming, I quit, but he clearly wasn't screaming, I quit. It was coming from a fucking sound system somewhere and the rock's holding it, <laughs> oh, so yeah. it face down. Why wouldn't you get, why wouldn't you just get him to say it while he's on the floor? This is a big byline. That, uh, that match is, um, there's a documentary on pro wrestling called Beyond the Mat from 2000, I think. And that, that specific match is one it focuses on. Cause like he takes like a dozen chair shots to the head right in front of his little kids watching it and they're just like bawling their eyes out and he's like daddy's okay and he's just like gushing blood out of his head hey next stop dennis levant pro wrestling that's where he needs to go there you go dude uh mr shit would be a, a, t- a ticket anywhere in america <laughs> oh god trump's america definitely and well he is mr shit yeah I want to say one kind of final thing from my point of view. It's the only other thing that I want to say on it. From the whole idea of criticisms, if it is a criticism of cinema moving digitally, because even though it's filmed on digital, it had to be, because it was the only way it was going to get, get made. I think that the way all of these films are presented is very fucking similar to how we consume media nowadays. Like, how many of us here now, how did we all watch Holy Motors? For this podcast, I bought it on I bought it on DVD. Oh, did you? Okay, so I so I bought the stream. Okay, same. I I own the DVD, but from a long time ago. So okay. I uh, I bought the DVD, but the order got delayed. So then, uh, so now it came like while we were doing this. I think it came to my house, <laughs> and uh, so I have it now. But then I ended up uh, Tubi is a site here in America that had it for free on there. Yeah. Um, so, but Mine yeah, the that's penis. to your point exactly. Well, see, that he did not have the the dog dick was not. In that's it. nullified my point because like three out of five of us have actually got the fucking physical. <laughs> yeah, but Alex is, yeah. is not representative, and and myself to to an extent. Like we are, you know, physical media uh, people. Alex even more so than me, but used to be. But the last few years have made it harder and harder. Like the film said, like it's a it's a fucking moving beast, and trying to stick with physical media with everything for me feels a bit like an old man shouting at speeding trains. I, I, I can't do it for everything. I wish I could, but I'd find myself spending the money that I would have spent on a DVD to own the, own the stream. Like, I own this now. I own the Holy, Holy Motors, but it's the stream. It's the fucking digital copy. And, like, my kind of my point was that the way that we consume that sort of media, like on Netflix, when you scroll through Netflix or you go on YouTube and you scroll through videos, you see one extreme thing after another. It, 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 you don't sit down with a disc in the same way anymore or a Blu-ray, Blu-ray, put it in and consume yourself in that media. You go, oh, let me start this on, on Netflix, 10 minutes. Oh, let me flick off it, actually. I didn't enjoy that. Go on to something else. Not us necessarily, but generally the population do. And that very easy way of consuming fucking film and cinema now is kind of like how this film felt, jumping from one mm. extreme thing to another. Yeah. So you couldn't put your finger on it and say, yeah, this is what this film is. You get the highlights too. Just yeah. watching the the short uh, YouTube, uh, yeah. I guess reviews or summaries of stuff that happened instead yes. of sitting through a whole character arc. Yeah. Here you just get the big moments and all these characters that he plays without any of the build up. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's and also the whole. Um, I don't know. This was a bit before the time, but it seems like there's so much focus on anthology and like the anthological nature of this movie, how it's just a bunch of stuff like smashed together. Mm. Um, I don't know. 
if that's like a take on because it seems like there's so much obsession with brands now be it in film and television that it's it has to be part of a franchise or as some people say a universe uh (laughs) and it's (laughs) it's it's you know things like this go to say hey if you really want to you can tell nine stories within two hours you don't have to make a two and a half hour for each like individual story you want to tell the holy motors verse it's (laughs) it's like nine movies in one i'm up for it instead of one story in 22 movies (laughs) <laughs> I call I call the mocap man. I'm gonna be him for Halloween. <laughs> oh, that can move on to our next segment. We gotta choose which characters we are. That's right. And Alex just nailed yeah. it. Alex just He's nailed the mocap it. man. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. Are we claiming the characters or are we assigning the characters? Well, if you're Ben, you claim the characters. If you're anybody else, yeah. you Ben. <laughs> Ben's not be the the main character, and in this film, I I'd say it's Eva Mendes. Who me? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So who's licking my armpit? That's what I want to do. I'll be the accordion man. I like Dib. Yeah, Adam, you would be the accordion man, actually. Yeah, your love of music and stuff. That is you. Uh, I, I just want to be funny would... and say I'll be the monkey, but that's not <laughs> true. <laughs> I'll be Kylie Minogue all day long. There you go. Okay. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't know how I'm I feel. I'm too fat to do. I'm too fat to do mocap. I would look absolutely preposterous in one of those suits. <laughs> like the the balls would be bouncing off of it, and like the the elastic would be stretched to max capacity. So I'll say I'm him when he jumps out of the car to kill that politician because his mask is so cool in that scene, and I want to own it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And also, I'm glad that you changed your minds because I wouldn't. I wouldn't like. I don't know how comfortable I am getting aroused with you being the mocap guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, Got to do Photoshop of me, the mocap guy, and Julio being the contortionist woman. Just get our faces oh, on shit. That. That's a Twitter image waiting to get posted. I feel like I would be the uh, Kylo Minogue's ex. So I guess I would be just like walking behind Paul as he sings. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, that's beautiful. Look at that. We, we jump off the building together. No, you jump and I just freak out after. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to be the ex? I thought you wanted to be my, my partner, hand in hand. Oh, no, that guy that guy had nothing going for him. The, the, the other guy at least had the way of regret. <laughs> <laughs> like he kicks that can or whatever. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Why does he kick that can and leg it? I, I, I thought that was his frustration. I mean, it's she just summed up their relationship and their shortcomings Yes, you know, a very simple song. It's true. He just yeah. punk- he's like, I can't sing, but I can't kick. Yeah. <laughs> also, sorry, that's one other thing I wanted to say about that scene. Twice in it, when they first meet, he or she is like, I've got thirty minutes, and then ten minutes later they say, I've got twenty minutes. If you pause that fucking film, that's exactly how long is left of the film as well. So even then, really? they, yes. they are aware oh, that they're wow. in. So I noticed that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Listen, we all, we, uh, Julio, you jumped off the fucking building and we all went with you for Holy Motors and it was one hell of a ride, man. I'm glad we picked this fucking film. I am so yes. glad. all got you a limo. <laughs> after, after I saw it last weekend, I wanted to tell everyone straight away, like, this is going to be fucking incredible to talk about, man. Like, mm. we would have had a, a blast that's, with a more straightforward story, I'm sure, and we'd still have had loads to talk about. But something like this, like, it's, it's a pleasure. It deserves dissection. It deserves to be talked about. Just having this 100%. rattle around your own head is not the same. Conversation mm. and dialogue around this shit, fucking love it, man. Love it. <laughs> so thank you for this fucking great selection. Thank hey, you. I, I, yes. I'm glad that you know what that was the thing though. It, it was I I figured it would be uh, 
good conversation whether everybody hated the movie or whether everybody loved it because even mm. if it was just going to be everybody complaining about everything that didn't make sense there would be so much to complain about <laughs> yeah so mm. uh, no but that's that's cool that's I, i'm glad that everybody was positive on it that's uh and i well alex owns it now and adam has said that he wants to watch it again so do it, yeah i'll watch it again Everybody I think wins. it needs a rewatch. It deserves a rewatch. This film, Adam, you'll rewatch it and you'll still have as little to talk about as you did today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You'd be like, I give it a five now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it when a film like this comes along because it puts like a big gobstopper in Adam's mouth for a while and it gives him something to chew on. <laughs> well, we've got we've got other people in today, so I thought I'll let them get some talking. I know you, you've, kind, you've been very a, kind, a very Adam. good host. Yeah. There you go. I guess we should we should now move on to where this place is in our. Rankings oh, of shit. all the films, yeah, reviewed. yeah, of course. So just uh, just so uh, everyone knows, this is basically our ranking of every episode we've ever done. We do an average score mm. and then we put it in a master list. So we're going to see where this place is. I reckon it's going to be pretty fucking high, to be honest. What makes it even better is because we get the extra people in, then it solidifies a score that's not going to move in our rankings because obviously <laughs> we have so many of the same scores. Yeah, because with three. five people, it's actually a different number. So what was the score? Eight point two. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, it sits in between, with above it, Avengers Endgame. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's terrible. I should and have given it a 10. It, you're going to hate this even more, and Alex and Julio will like it. It's, it's above Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> it deserves to be above Midsummer. <laughs> that is one final twist of the dagger. Oh, that is a bitter pill. That is a bitter pill. <laughs> It deserves to be above Midsummer. No, no, that's <laughs> fantastic. The fact that Avengers Endgame is above Midsummer is criminal enough. <laughs> oh, that's that, that that's that's not. Good. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, when Holy Motors eventually gets the Criterion release, I submit that we give them this podcast for one of the supplemental features on the Blu-ray. Surely it's got to oh, be yes. one of the only ones that's ever been made <laughs> on this thing, and definitely one of the most in-depth. Can we black box this podcast? <laughs> send it to the National Film Registry if we sent this to Carax he would say uh, you got it totally wrong that wasn't what the film was about at all <laughs> even though we gave every option of what the film could possibly be about no, no. <laughs> so that was he would just send it. us all masks autograph masks those white masks he would just autograph yeah. them and piss off yeah. Leo Carax <laughs> this had nothing to do with what I was trying to achieve <laughs> Hey, Adam, hey, Adam, listen. So now that we've kind of wrapped up Holy Motors, isn't it about time you tell us what we are going to be reviewing next? Yes, well, I already told you last week, um, we're going to be ruining Burning. That was it. It's like you said ruining. Yeah. Burning. What is ruining, burning? Burning Burning what? Reviewing Burning. There's several Burning (laughs) films. Is it the horror film from the 80s with George Costanza in? Is it? I didn't know. There's more than one. There's one from last year, whatever it was, recent film, South Korean one. Very good. I know That's nothing good. about it, so I look forward to that. Yeah, yes. it's like two. It's probably like 2018, 2019. Have either of you seen this film, Contrarian Brothers? I've had it on my Netflix queue for a while. That's the one with the. Mm. Uh, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Is it the one for, with the guy from Walking Dead? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. So this is. I remember you saying that last week. That's what puts me off it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You liked The Walking Dead up until the point. I liked it one episode in, and then that was that. Everything else was 
It does. We well, I would say it. The Walking Dead probably has one of the best pilot episodes. Not one of the best. Ugh. Very, very obvious. I enjoyed it very, very much. Very obvious. That's nonsense you're talking. That's not true. Paul's still sticking with The Walking Dead, so that's what's been... I, am, I just want to get to the end now. So, but before we get to the burning episode next week, I think we should just say a massive fucking thank you to our contrarian brothers, as you yes. say, yes. for coming along on the show. Discussion. This hey, is a big, big get you. for Thanks us. Thanks for having man. us. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having us. That was That was awesome. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's, it is a, like a fucking white whale moment, I would say, because <laughs> allow me allow me one minute of indulgence just to 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 say, and I don't say this to embarrass um, you guys either. I've said this to you uh, before on a side, I'm sure, but a couple of years ago, I was going through a pretty hard time. My grandfather, who I was really really close to, um, passed away, and uh, I hadn't like I sort of disengaged with stuff a little bit, and um, your guys' podcast was like the first one I found. I wasn't really listening to anyone else's podcast at that, at that time. We were just making ours, and I thought I just need to keep my mind busy and active. And uh, your episode on the fly, the Jeff Goldblum, the fly, was the first like fun thing that I did or listened to in like a two week period. And uh, I've just been a fucking fan since then. So thank you for getting me through a hard time in your own unknowable way back then, and for keeping me entertained for all these years since. We've loved it. That's sad. Julio and I aren't really good at like following up when people say really nice things to us. I We're know, just yeah. like, you too, man. So <laughs> I only did it to make you feel uncomfortable anyway. No, I remember when you messaged us on, on Twitter to tell us it was, yeah. it, that was definitely, I, I want to say I was on vacation. I, I think you I were, you like were going for home. your brother's wedding or something. Yes. Yeah. It was just like a highlight. I was like, how does this get any better? It's just, you know, like on one, like on a, on a very like selfish way. You just want to, you know, you're just happy to, to know that people are listening, because you know mm. we do it to, mm. to have fun, or whatever. But it's also great when when people engage, and you know, you guys definitely engage a lot, which is great. But also, just when you made it that personal, it's just, you know, forget about the podcast. Just the fact that as a human being, you can have uh, an effect on someone else, you know, a positive yeah. effect on someone else. It's just. Yeah, how do you top that? <laughs> so, well, I mean, that, so listen, that's you. what we're all trying to do our thing in that way, right? We're all just having fun, doing our own things. And if we reach people, it's great. If we don't, we don't. But we're all having a great time. And if you reach people, it's fucking fantastic too. And yeah. forming so connections really. like this is, is awesome, man. I've, I've really fucking enjoyed this. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun because, you know, I, I, I feel bad for Paul who has to edit you know, everything <laughs> that has happened. But I want to say that... that I would venture that we've done justice to the concept of a filmbusters contrarian yes. crossover. Uh, at least yeah, I, yeah. I know I feel like we we didn't let you guys down. We we picked a, a movie that had that had some meat to it, and we had a good conversation about it, and we laughed about monkeys and dog penises, <laughs> and and we talked about the Even meaning of cinema. Absolutely, <laughs> and man. we tried to figure out what Leo Carax uh, was trying to say. Yeah. So it, was, it was just great. It was it was. You know, I listened to your show pretty religiously, and to me, it's it felt like an episode of Filmbusters, so that was good. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, what I like to hear. Yeah, I was yeah, just going to say this definitely felt like a long time coming us doing a collab together. Yeah. So I'm glad we got to finally do it, and uh, really appreciate y'all having us on, and um, yeah, just matching up time schedules and all that shit, and uh, appreciate the effort and letting us come on here and talk about Holy Motors and plug our shit. It's much appreciated, y'all. Anytime, the first of many. Always. Anytime. Hopefully we'll do it again very soon. And yeah, fucking 
go and listen to these guys. Contrarians, the Contrarians. What do you want to shout out your socials? Um, yeah, they're. I mean, you know, the Contrarians and most podcatchers, every podcatcher basically. Uh, and then we have a website. We're thecontrarians.com on Twitter. We are uh, at Contrarian Prime, Instagram at Contrarian Prime, Facebook at Contrarian Prime. What am I forgetting, Alex? I think that's covered. If um, do you have any requests, uh, we're we've got a lot in the hopper right now. But if you ever have any requests or questions, uh, uh, is it we are the Contrarians at Gmail dot com? Is yes. our email address? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't ever hesitate to send something our way. Um, yeah, that's about it. We're set to embark on our. Uh, spooky journey through Haddonfield, Illinois with Michael Myers. So yeah. next uh, six episodes, we're going to be tackling the uh, Halloween franchise. So uh, if that's your bag, uh, hopefully you will be satiated. I'm doing a heavy amount of research for this. So <laughs> we'll, uh, Awesome, man. I'm hyped for that. for that. Yeah, I am well hyped Definitely. for that. Halloween, baby. Right, so I wrap us up? Wrap us up, please. Yep. Thank you. Right. You can get in touch with us at Filmbusters Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can go to our website, www.filmbusterspod.co.uk. All our podcast episodes are on there. And we've got some lovely reviews there from us and some of our in-house critics. You can also get to us on our personal accounts. I am at Filmbusters Carax. <laughs> I'm at Filmbusters Adam. I'm not going to try and pronounce anyone else's And name. I'm at Filmbusters Monsieur Merd. <laughs> if only yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change it one of these days I am going to actually change it to the fucking things that we say it would be nice if we actually changed it to what we say at the end of the episode I know it's just long isn't it yeah it's long it's a bit of effort no one no one makes it to this point in the episode anyway this is the last thing as soon as we start talking about the film you never like, find us on Instagram you know you've always got all your list of podcasts you listen to and the last two minutes I never listen to because it's like well it's the same old wrap up shit <laughs> 